this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. everybody and welcome to another white press play this time uh, we're talking about the eyes wide shut the 1999 uh, final sexy movie from the master of uh, modern cinema stanley kubrick and with us in the studio we have old friend of the show uh, former conspiracy guy a comedian artist uh, improver actor uh, uh, and general all-around 100% nice guy uh, Sean Drawn, welcome to the uh, studio. Hello, thanks it's, very much, Gordo. It's been so long, bro. It's been a while. So, Sean, welcome back to the show. Uh, it's been yeah. ages. You haven't been here in a long time. Yeah, you haven't invited me back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Where have you been? What have you been up to? You've traveled all over the world. You've been here uh, hither and thither. Yeah, I was. Uh, I make videos, so there's a lot of you know can see on YouTube some of my videos. Cool. What's your YouTube channel? Uh, Sean Drawn. If you look up youtube.com slash Sean Drawn. Yeah, I'll put the link in the yeah. description below. So if you're if you feel like you want to watch a bit of Sean, and what kind of videos are you making? Uh, comedy videos yeah. and a little bit surreal, artistic videos. There's a new one coming up actually uh, this week in Christmas about the 2017 and 1917. Cool. And the connections between the two, the the hundred years. We're going to get to the end. The end of the uh, end of World War One's. All the symbology for 100 years on. Yeah, well, you have the fall of the Soviet Union. You have America enters World War One actually in 1917. And then also it's the birth of John Kennedy. So Ooh. those three... So the video's about that, the, the, so how those three events had a big impact on 2017. Cool. Because, yeah. And you think uh, you think next year some... some some extra shit is going to fly. You're very much into your uh, uh, symbolism and symbology. And well, I like think I've seen you've gone, you've gone yeah. deep in JFK, and you've got you look you look deep into all of these kind of things, uh, and especially with such a movie as as Eyes Wide Shut, which is replete with uh, Masonic symbolism and imagery. And I've seen you walk in the streets of Dublin with your head held high, <laughs> looking at all the the Queen's stonework on top of every doorway. And uh, well, I think we we're, we're creatures of symbols. The human being, you know, even you think about money as a symbol, it's just pieces of paper. But we put um, em- importance. We can see that it means the paper actually is more than just a piece of paper. It means energy, or you know. So we ourselves and the metals as well being passed on. It's a a form of energy transference and stuff like that. Yeah, I think you know. Even with religion, the, the different uh, religions all have symbols that represent them, and th- to the people of that religion, they they view that with great importance and have a, an emotional connection. So I think it's just human nature uh, to put importance on symbols. And 
uh, yeah, I want to know what different ones mean, and some of them are very old symbols, and you know that kind of thing. You think that uh, with with the likes of this uh, Masonic imagery or, or this uh, like occultist satanic imagery that we see in uh, Eyes Wide Shut, that Kubrick deliberately put all that stuff in there to try and tell us a tell us a tale. Is it something to do with magic? Do you think with sigil magic and the likes that uh, uh, people talk about, or, or, or Crowley's uh, Talima, these kind of ancient knowledge? Uh, you know, uh, theosophy, uh, theosophical imagery and theosophical symbols. Well, Do you think that stuff is around magic or is it just a form of communication across the across the years between powerful people? Well, the film was is in the Guinness Book of Records, Eyes Wide Shut's in the Guinness Book of Records for being the longest film production shoot with 400 days, which is over a year to shoot Eyes Wide Shut. And he, I would imagine that he put a lot of... Um, time into the details uh in the film yeah the art department is like 200 people for this mm. movie if you went onto imdb and checked it out like huge art department oh. uh putting all the, the the little like everything in every scene is meticulously placed exactly um uh, when it comes down to like visual storytelling like d- kubrick is on it like a car bonnet for mm. this movie in particular even down to like the color schemes and to where people are placed like the blocking in the movie mm-hmm. is uh, you know uh, I don't even uh, say undeniably p- 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 deliberate yeah and even the movements of people yeah. their hand gestures the, the the rhythm of their speech um, is very controlled and you see his masterfulness as a filmmaker is that he will then mirror movements and speech patterns and various scenes in the film and that there's a a connection in the storytelling mm. of scenes because the film is sort of a mysterious film Very. and at the heart of the film there is a bit of a mystery and the main character uh spends the first half of the film sort of uh in a pursuit of a sexual desire and then the second half of the film trying to figure out what has happened to him so he's in a pursuit for the whole film but there's different motives behind each of the uh this pursuit and i think at the very end of the film there's still he still is on satisfied in a way there's still a mystery then left at the end of the film is that not though what the whole object of magic or or as because we did a, an episode on those conspiracy guys about mm-hmm. Alistair Crowley and it was just okay. like the whole time he was just searching for answers and they thought to be able to get it through sex magic and through the extremes of sexual contact um I remember we were talking about him like uh being woken from sleep and being kept awake for like 48 hours and constantly being like you know fucked and wanked off oh, by a, a whole like a, a whole queue of women were just coming in to to keep him going to keep him ejaculating until he went into like some kind of weird uh, sleep-deprived, euphoric, orgasmic state, and then he was able to hook into the natural magic of the universe. Hmm. Like, those kind of... And how did he figure out the formula? Uh, he just kept on banging away, and yeah, I just kept on... <laughs> you know, like like, like well, any of us, you know. Yeah. Um, he started making it up as he went along? Well, why not? You get, like, 50 <laughs> wanks in a row. But, I mean, who who's facilitating the wanks? Like, he has to get other people on board. I'm sure he, he was just a good convincer of people. He was just like, listen, this is uh, the I'll be able to, if you wank me 50 times in two days, I'll tell you the secrets of the universe. Like, you know, yeah. you know some impressionable people would be into that, you know. Okay. But it was just a, a kind of a, a, a an almost search for knowledge for him. Okay. And as we find out in the movie, and we'll talk about it all in detail now as we go along, but yeah. just like this whole thing, like uh, Bill, played by Tom Cruise, yeah. um, uh, uh, Bill Harford, his, his journey... Mm. 
in pursuit of you said at the start like a sexual gratification as mm-hmm. revenge yeah that turned into him searching for the answers of, of what he saw yeah uh it's kind of like people going into that satanic cult or this these like sex magic cults or yeah. even orgies or even like uh you know swinging parties and some kind yeah. of the extreme sides of sex where it's like yeah. you know I, I i i i think i might like that because you know i i want something different than what i'm getting yeah and i love sex and you go into that thing looking for something extra yeah sexually and then you end up finding something that's like oh this is a bit more you know then i but this is not just like a quick tug and goodbye and mm. thanks very much and here's a fiver like it's it's it gets to you in your soul it changes your personality it changes yeah. who you are and all of these people are coming to do this thing we would imagine from stuff from crowley and all this that it's like they're doing that to get more power this is like a power like a power ritual it's mm. only done by the extremely rich it's only done mm. by the powerful and it's a very exclusive club that they're allowed to do this like debaucherous party yeah. for which this movie is very famous well uh, it seems that the party uh, has a ritual in it and the reason that tom cruise or bill dr bill gets recognized immediately as he enters the party is it seems that everyone else knows their place in this ritual and that he has stepped into it but he doesn't know what to do or where his his role in it and that's how i think they notice him right away because right when he enters that room uh there's two people up on the balcony they nod to him and he nods back to them and uh i think that they recognize that he's out of place he's not where he should be the minute he nodded back they knew like oh he's not supposed to nod back why did he nod back or who why is he standing where he's standing why is you know yeah uh, it was all, it was all, but it is kind of like allegorical maybe of something that Kubrick was trying to tell us about Hollywood mm. it's been spoken about that this was his his kind of like his death note because he, he died, died yeah. very very shortly after submitting this to the final cut of this to, to Warner, Warner Brothers, Brothers. 4 yeah. days in fact 4 days wow like that is seriously close to yeah to to like to spend and it's not your, finished i no. don't think the film is finished no because there's some of the cuts it feels that the edit is too long between shots and it it seems it just seems to me like it's not quite finished there are some people there are other different cuts or different edits of the movie that people and fans have done that oh. it doesn't feel this like i like the way the original one is and it's two hours and nine minutes i think okay um like I just think that there's a little bit of between shots. I think um, editors leave a little bit of liter that can. Yeah. So the back and forth, you, so you have the bit of freedom. And I think some of that is left in where it feels that uh, Tom Cruise is just kind of hanging out. And then he starts saying his line and it should have that little bit of him hanging out should have been removed so it's more smooth it just fe- that's i think though that breathe that breath that extra beat yeah um leaves maybe a, works leaves a little room to make yeah. it more realistic yeah. and when you talk about how from the very start mm. the speech patterns from nicole kidman and stuff mm-hmm. like that are very purposefully long and Slow. drawn out but well, like uh, well let me tell you this about stanley kubrick is that um the night of the New York premiere of 2001, he was still editing 2001. Ah. And for the weekend that The Shining was released, um, he re- the, it was released and then he got all the, as far as I know, he got all the prints come back and he removed a scene at the very end of Danny and Shelley Duvall in the hospital talking to a doctor, which is supposed to be at the very, very end of The Shining. Yeah. And that's now gone. So he works right up into the end. 
So it, it it only becomes a film for him when it goes into other people's eyes. I think that he until he releases it, then that's then it's done. So I just think that the film is unfinished. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm, like I can I can get it, but uh, mm. I, Kubrick in his way, I think there's a lot of conspiracy around him as well with the Apollo mm. Eleven moon landings yeah, and that yeah. he filmed all that stuff and you know NASA lent him a, a, a lens so that he'd be able to film Barry Lyndon yeah, in yeah. candlelight and stuff like that. So and also, if you know about the MK Ultra, the fifties and sixties. The film Clockwork Orange seems to be sort of about MK Ultra. Yeah, you have a yeah. guy strapped into a chair and he's watching films. So I films of, of Holocaust uh, victims. And yeah, stuff like and that. snuff very, films yeah, of, yeah. of extreme violence. Yeah. And I wondered myself um, Stanley's relationship with the military and the CIA and who would make those films to be shown to people? Like who makes would, the audiovisual materials? Have, could he have done? I'm some? saying Stanley Kubrick knows more than he let on, yeah. and and in his movies he maybe was trying to let us know some of this stuff. And this one, they say, you know, this is why press play now. It's not those conspiracy guys, but they say that uh, this was the one that killed him because he told about the uh, the satanic. The, the the ritualistic let's say i won't say satan because it's not it's maybe not appropriate but the occultist uh, i guess sexual, the sexual um sexual uh you know parties of the yeah. elite and that maybe that in the film it depicts it's not only just an orgy there's a ritual aspect of it because the girls are standing in a circle the, the guy in the middle he bows to something and yeah, then taps like, his at some point uh, we, we'll talk about it in yeah, a second okay. but like Dr. Bill comes into a big house and there's yeah. like a party going on and there's a, a ritual in the middle and it gets yeah. very weird and there's like a red a priest dressed in a red robe and yeah. he has like an incense banger yeah. and you know there's like pomp and ceremony to this exactly and then it turns into a crazy orgy yeah um and I think that the people yeah. who the ladies kiss at the very beginning are the initiates to this cult. Yeah. And that they're all the new people. And that the people on the second floor of the party, because there's two levels. Yeah. They're the elites, the higher ups. Yeah. And that's why when the woman is led away, she's led up the stairs because she's being led up to yeah, the elites. Yeah, she's initiated. It, it, is, it is very, there is, it's full of symbolism and mm. it could be like analyzed till the cows come home. Yeah. But the fact that like Kubrick made it, released it, and then immediately died puts a whole air of mystery around this movie. Isn't there some connection know? with the release and the Apollo moon landing date? I think that they they both happened in July. Like the the specific release date of this film, I don't know, coincides I think with the moon landings. Which is something we'll have to look up. Just I should check the facts that. on that yeah. one. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So I mean, Kubrick in the way that he uh, made and released films. Um, really like hit at home with this one and some also say that he he chose uh, a couple like uh, Cruz and Kidman particularly because of the way their relationship was and Cruz's status and the fact that he was involved in some may say like some kind of a a cultish religion some may Mm. call it and the the whole thing was kind of an allegory for this Hmm. 400 days is an awful long time to be involved in a film of this level there wasn't like massive amounts of special effects there wasn't like huge huge production uh, there wasn't, uh, uh, you know, uh, there wasn't a huge, um, a giant cast. There wasn't like thousands of people all yeah. playing zombies, yeah. you know, yeah. like you would have yeah. on Game it's of Thrones. Very small. Yeah. It seems small production. There's only yeah. maybe eight scenes in the whole movie. Every single one of them has a Christmas tree in yeah. it. That's why we're putting this in in December because it's a Christmas movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was all very small, low key. The biggest scene is in the house yeah. where there's like maybe 
you know 150 people max yeah um well the two 400 parties. days yeah the two parties like but 400 days is an awful long time yeah to be shooting something of, the, yeah. of that scale yeah you know um so yeah before we get deep into it then uh, i just want to tell you about uh why press play and where we are online if you want to get in contact with us or if you want to you know if there's something you know about the movie that we don't mention or if you have uh, any suggestions for an alternative casting as we do later on uh, you can get in contact with us info at whypressplay.com or we're also on uh, facebook twitter instagram pinterest reddit and uh, all the other places that you would find somebody online we have a snapchat and all that crack so you can send us a few snaps uh, maybe of you watching some movies or even in your christmas jumper uh, we'd have a go at that uh, we do have a website as well, uh, whitepressplay.com, uh, where you will be able to find all of the reviews and a few little videos and trailers and this kind of stuff. We do also have a Discord server. So if you head over to our Twitter page, the link for the Discord server is in there. And uh, you can get in there for chats, for video and audio chats, and also in a, a, a channel-specific chat room where you can talk about different movies, uh, games, videos, uh, different genres of visual entertainment, let's say. And there's a lot of cool people in there hanging out all talking about movies the whole time. I'll drop in every now and again, and we all have the chats, and it's great crack. So, uh, yeah, it, eyes wide shut. What we like to do over here, Sean, I don't yeah. know if you've listened to any of the shows, uh, we do what's called a 60-second plot. Okay, yeah. Right? So basically, I give you sixty seconds, and okay. you, from start to finish, have to tell the story of the movie. With spoilers and everything. With spoilers and everything. Okay. Go on. We try to do it with no spoilers at the start, but it doesn't really work. Okay. Uh, as as much detail as you can, okay. as many scenes as you can, describing what happens. In sixty seconds. And not the general overview of like a guy walks down the street yeah. like the this summer. Uh, you have to be like okay so Bill he's okay. taking on Nicole Kidman's arse and then we go and he goes to a party and he's okay. taking his fingers bird like all right. of that kind of whatever way you want to do it uh, all the way to the end to give the people a kind of a rounded view of what the movie's going to be about and then we'll dip into the more interesting parts so that they can uh, take it apart as they watch it later on so you ready for your 60 seconds okay three two one go so uh, a wealthy New York couple, uh, Dr. Bill Hartford and his wife Alice, get invited to this fancy party uh, in New York City. And at, Ten the, seconds. at the party, uh, Bill is called away to help a, a lady who's OD'd on heroin and cocaine uh, in the presence of Ziegler, the host of the party. Uh, Bill and Alice then later on um, smoke some pot together and Alice tells Bill her fantasy about um, giving everything up to have seconds. sex with a, a naval officer. Bill gets kind of jealous of this. Uh, he's then called away to um, one of his patients' homes who has passed away. At that home, uh, the lady there tries to... Um, kiss him and he uh, doesn't know what to do so he gets out of that situation and then he, he meets up with a prostitute and um, he's about to have sex with the prostitute and then his wife calls and then he meets up with a friend of his who uh, he met at the other party left. the friend tells him about it at some special sex party he goes to the sex party wears a mask Five. then comes back uh, escapes the party and Three. realizes that the party's Two. full of powerful people and One. that maybe his life's in danger and so is his kid yeah <laughs> that was a lot better that's really good man yeah we don't usually what happens is people will go like okay so we open on a smoky new york scene and spend a minute describing the first three minutes of the film and then they go 10 seconds and they yeah. shit themselves that was pretty good you didn't get to the very very end yeah um, maybe it's a good thing uh f f such a fucking roller coaster weird film you don't yeah. know what's happening it feels very um I don't know, it feels very disjointed at points and very confusing. And I mm. guess that's part of the visual storytelling yeah. uh, where you end up 
you know, uh, feeling just like Bill yeah. when you're following them around. Like, yeah. I love I love Tom Cruise movies. Oh, you do? Claire fucking hates Tom Cruise. She won't watch any Tom Cruise movies. Yeah. I'm watching that shit on my own. Load them in Vanilla Sky. Uh, Rain Man. Rain Man. Well, I mean, of course. But the more modern ones that he's yeah. done, like Oblivion or... Um, what's the one where he keeps on going back in time? Uh, tomorrow... Uh, Die Another Repeat. Day? No. Is it Die, Live, Kill, Die, Repeat? Repeat. Yeah, something. Hold on a second. Then I get that. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow, Edge where of he's li- Live, Die, Repeat. That thing with uh, yeah. uh, Emily Blunt. Yeah. And, you know, uh, like it's it, they're weird, spooky, psychological thrillers. They always have a great twist. There's great, like, yeah. um, you know, uh, uh, the scope of those movies is huge. Like, yeah. I mean, Vanilla Sky is fucking amazing. Yeah. And But is he always the same guy in every movie? I don't think so. No. I don't okay. think so. Like do you do you like you don't like his movies? Do you like? I think he's okay. Um, I I don't I don't really have an opinion. I don't like him. I don't dislike him. Um, uh, his stuff from the nineties, like um, Interview with the Vampire, I yeah, thought was good. quite good. Um, but in born gen- on the Fourth of July is a cracker. Born on Fourth of July, I wouldn't uh, go see a film just because it had Tom Cruise in it. I would watch one on the internet if it had Tom Cruise. Yeah. in it. I would choose that over a lot of other movies, oh, and yeah. I've watched Oblivion maybe five or six times. Like, maybe it's bad taste, maybe it's bad sci-fi, but I just think that there's lovely twists and there's lovely storytelling. And he's, not that he's a great actor, but yeah. he's just in good movies. And he makes them good. He's not, like, mm. do you know what I mean? I don't know why there's so much hate for him. I don't know the whole Scientology thing and the fact that, you know, he's a bit odd. Mm-hmm. But, like, he's one of the greatest, most successful actors ever. I think anybody who's successful ever, you know? will get a lot of hate. I of mean, course. you know, the haters will hate as, um, what's her say? what's her name, uh, appropriated from someone else maybe. hate is gonna hate exactly love is gonna love i don't even want none of the above i'm gonna piss on you it's by r kelly yeah um so it, it's just a weird uh atmosphere to put a couple into like nicole kidman and tom cruise mm. are a real life couple in real life they're really married in real life yeah and kubrick is like i'm going to choose you and picks them and throws them into this film mm. Which, I think he wanted Adam uh, Alex Baldwin and uh, Kim Bassinger actually yeah. first. Is that is that who he chose? I think that was one of his early choices and then Tom Cruise found out about the project and I think Tom then worked out his way where they he took a helicopter out to uh Kubrick's property and I'm being like give me this movie or a yeah, and it seemed that uh, Stanley was interested in working. I mean, it seems to have been a better match, I think. I imagine yeah. Alec Baldwin. I don't know if it would work. Oh, Jesus, that'd be class. Do you Love think it would be good? Baldwin. Yeah, man. And he's Kim a... Bassinger as, as the uh, Nicole Kidman character. Well, I see, that's the thing. I don't think Alice, uh, played by Nicole Kidman, I don't think she was really integral to the part, really. I think it was more of a cruise... Cruise vehicle. Control. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was more of a... a a cruise vehicle rather than rather than Nicole Kidman's joint. I don't think Kidman really She's had a big impact. She is, but I mean, she didn't have a huge impact in the story uh, uh, as far as the weird stuff goes. And I think some of her parts, like as we talk about later on, yeah. when she's stoned and she's laughing, like those kind of bits seemed a little bit over, like a yeah, bit hammy yeah, or a yeah, little bit, yeah. you know. Imagine she did that thousands of times. So when you see this film, you know that every single shot in the film was maybe done... 50, 100 times. Yeah. Do you know? Well, I mean, they broke up pretty pretty soon after this movie yeah. and, and some people ascribe that to the treatment that Kubrick put the two of them through and it really had uh, uh, an effect on the relationship. Do you know, like, uh, the way he treated Shelley Duval as part of The Shiny, you can watch the behind the scenes thing and she's having nervous breakdowns, you know, the way he's sh- screaming and shouting mm-hmm. at her and then he comes out and he's like, <laughs> and you're like, fuck Stan, like what? 
after talking to her in that way and he's like I know but I want her to be genuinely shaken when she comes out through and that door and she does a great performance in The Shining she does but he pulls that out of her against her will and it's a little bit kind of like fuck Kubrick dude chill out like but he makes the best he's like one of the best filmmakers yeah. of all time you know yeah I think that um, Eyes Wide Shut then also has a lot of a lot of subtext. There's a lot of visual cues. There's a lot of symbolism. There's a lot, as we talked about at mm-hmm. the top of the show, lots of different stuff that Kubrick is trying to say through the camera without mm-hmm. maybe double, the actor's knowledge or without maybe double meanings on words. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so let's go through the movie then okay. and talk about how it's how it's made. Or and just like, to verify, it was released at the, on the 30 year anniversary of the Apollo moon landing. So Eyes Wide Shut came out in July 1999 and the Apollo moon landing uh, was July 16th, 1969 and Eyes Wide Shut came out on July 16th, 1999. Wow. Do you think Kubrick meant that deliberately? Well, supposedly from what I read is that he wanted this initial, this release date, that, that it was set up, that it was in the he had written this out that it should yeah. be released on this particular date well, for some ever, reason but it's got no connect i mean i don't see any connection to the apollo moon landing in the f- subject of the film itself but maybe there's something i don't see <laughs> yeah you know? i'm sure he's very good at hiding <laughs> stuff um did you ever see the fake stanley kubrick confession video that he faked the moon landing? did you ever see that there's an actor yeah but it doesn't look like stanley or sound like stanley kubrick yeah but to people the uninitiated to be like oh my god and it was shared around so much you know well that's i think you know maybe fake um fake news yeah sort of uh, like the flat earth thing yeah. it's kind of tr- conspiracy they want to believe it just sort of hook in people who uh, would be naive maybe you know well let's go through the movie then a, a little bit and kind of give give the story a, a broader stroke mm-hmm. uh we start off with uh you know nicole kidman's mm-hmm. lovely lovely bum a mm. uh, fantastic amount of Nicole's bum. Uh, uh, a little bit a little bit more than uh, she was in Big Little Lies with uh, Reese Witherspoon. She has a couple of sexy bits in that as well. And I tell you, whatever baby blood she's drinking or whatever's happening there, uh, I'm saying fair play. This is a classy, very attractive woman mm. who, do you know, uh, was cajole i guess or, or or not forced but she wasn't asking either but she was put put nude into this movie and i think it was the first time she's in a, a movie nude and the, the role was originally offered to eva herzegova and she she refused because there was too many nude scenes oh and uh, kubrick didn't, didn't want to modify that. any of them so it was just like uh you know when you're thinking about nicole kidman going okay i haven't been nude in many films i get to make something with kubrick my husband is in this mm. i'm not having sex with like a rando hmm. well she is and we're not huh she does the naval officer no but you know what i mean, I mean like it's not steamy it scene. is yeah yeah it is it is and i'm sure tom was standing inside <laughs> camera just going like no nah, mind your hand there watch your hand there buddy don't be pinching on the nipples like you own Jesus. them but i'm saying that like she's the whole movie she's she's spending naked or like if you have to spend like you know three weeks in a little white see-through yeah. top and yeah. knickers yeah. in a bedroom recording yeah. that thing all day every day yeah you want to be doing it with your husband, yeah. not with some stranger. So I'm saying if she's going to be like, yeah, okay, I'm going to show my body for almost the entirety of this movie. Hmm. Let's take a step into Naked Nicole. And she's kind of at the peak of her career as well at this point. And, uh, you know, as the movie progressed, you're kind of saying like, this is, this is how, is, how could their relationship last after this? It was, the whole movie was about the two of them having awful communication problems. And I guess that kind of mirrored itself in real life over the year of the movie or any of the problems that were there mm. in the marriage 
that kind of stuff would pour pour uh, water on the cracks. I personally think that right? Bill is supposed to be like an everyman, uh, or like an nor- because the way the film is shot we see a lot of the film through Bill's point of view. So the way it will be is you'll see a shot of Tom or a shot of Dr. Bill and then we'll see what he sees. Yeah. So when he goes into the orgy scene, it actually is a lot of first person. So it's Kubrick is replacing us in for him. Yeah. So he that's why I think his character too is a little bit bland in a way is that we are to be able to plug into to, to that character. We are him. Right. Watching the movie. So then Dr. Bill, he's, you know, a, a, like a normal dude. They're going to, they're getting ready to go to this party. The mm-hmm. movie starts out, they're getting ready to go to a party. Mm-hmm. Uh, lo- the party is being held at the Ziegler mansion, I guess mm-hmm. you could call it. So Victor Ziegler, mm-hmm. who's played by Sidney Pollack. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, obviously a, a, you know, a wealthy businessman of some type. We don't yeah. get to know what business he's in, no. but he has this huge house. And, it's and like, he has a lot of like big muscular servant men yeah. <laughs> everywhere yeah, and they're a, throughout the whole movie those characters these sort of male assistants yeah you know sort of uh, yeah. most heavy muscle right yeah they're, they're just tough guys who are dressed in tuxedos and they're handing out hors d'oeuvres one minute and then like you know throwing dead hookers out the back window the next well yeah, maybe at the end of the movie <laughs> yeah. but uh, there's these always well-dressed um, bodyguards yeah. throughout the film and Ziegler has uh, uh, this party going on and all the the, the the great and good of the the locality of yeah of New York City, so. and we know that the Harfords have uh, a, 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 an apartment. I guess you call it an apartment Park on Cent- Central Park West. Oh, Central Park West. Yeah, and, yeah, he says that. You know they're they're well to do, but mm. they're not like elite. No, do you know he's a doc? He's a yeah. well well endowed yeah. doctor. But he's not elite. He's not up to Ziegler's level. And he is Ziegler's personal physician. Yeah. And he gets asked at a party. Yeah. And Kidman asks him at the start, like, why do we always get asked at this yeah. party every year? And yeah. he's like, this is what you get for making house calls. Yeah. So, so he's kind of a doctor ex- who yeah. is a house doctor for the elite. Because the other patient, who's the, the dead man, is also of the elite. Yeah. Because he has a servant and yeah. it, it looks like... Huge a, mansion and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, the other apartment. And Ziegler also says that... Um, What's interesting is that he, he, he makes a reference that he, his serving arm is a lot stronger now because of a recommendation that, that Bill gave him. And the, the interesting thing is that when we see Nicole at the very beginning of the film, in the corner, there's two rackets. Yeah. There's two tennis rackets. So then the first time we see Ziegler, he references playing racquetball. So that's, I, I don't understand it. I don't know why it's there. Yeah. But it's something there. And then he maybe, goes. Maybe it's because they know it was to explain that there were friends on a personal level rather than just like a doctor patient level that they also mm. had you know outside or connections that bill, as well but it's just that the symbol of the tennis rackets in the corner because then when we see um bill in the next shot at the very beginning of the film in the same room the tennis rackets are covered up so i it was just something I'd, i mean if people know they can write or some they can explain but i don't understand why uh Ziegler references playing tennis or playing with a racket and then we see two rackets at the start. Well, the way that the two rackets are displayed in the bedroom in the very, very first scene, some may say that it is a a paedophilic sex symbol that they have like two crossed rackets like they have for Wimbledon, but these are two crossed like butterfly wings or two crossed hearts, two crossed rackets. It looks like a heart upside down. Mm. Uh, Like... Maybe it's this uh, uh, like a, a, a satanic sex ring symbol 
that they're talking about tennis, that they're talking about this thing. It could be that. There, people say that, the speculation online, that that's what that symbol could be. With the rackets. With the rackets, people yeah. Because they're, they're crossed in a, in a way that looks like the... Uh, did you ever hear, like, with the Pizzagate stuff, that there was, uh, you know, a, a triangle that goes like a kind of concentric circles or concentric triangles that go around and it looks like a pizza slice and all this kind of stuff okay. so one of the other ones is concentric hearts and another one is hearts crossed like a butterfly's wing or like two tennis rackets crossed across each other Whoa. so yeah like it could be there's a lot of stuff in it man I know. Kubrick has thrown so much symbols in um you know so they're they're talking they're at this party yeah. right and uh, they're invited to the party and Bill Tom Cruise sees the piano player on the band and he's like hey yeah. I used to go to medical school with yeah, that guy yeah. and Alice is like hey well you know he's uh, he's he plays a good piano for a doctor he's like not a doctor yeah. he dropped out yeah so he ends up talking to this guy he and finds, out, that, finds that, out that this guy's yeah. name is Nick Nightingale Nick Nine, yeah. and he's like yeah Nick what's cracking he's like hey how you doing I play the piano come here listen I play in the Sonata Club up the up the road you yeah. should come up to me some night so yeah. we then Nick disappears and we but have the this thing whole is, thing is that Nick is the thing that divides Tom and Nicole so Tom sees Nick and goes, I want to go talk to him. And Nicole goes, um, I need to go to the bathroom. But yeah. she doesn't need to go to the bathroom because right when she splits away from Tom, she takes a drink of champagne and she doesn't go to the bathroom. She ends up dancing with the Hungarian guy. Right, right. So, she, so they both lied to, she's lied to him. And when she dances with the Hungarian guy, um, he says something like, deception is a necessity for both parties. Yeah. And that they're both deceiving each other. For example, when uh, Nicole asks Tom at the very beginning, oh, she says, how do I look? And he goes, you look great. And then she goes, you're not even looking at me. Yeah. So they're both lying to each other. Maybe not communicating properly. Not yeah. communicating properly. Well, the, the, the Hungarian that you talk of yeah. uh, is played by Sky Dumont. Uh, he plays Sandor Zazvost, <laughs> yeah. which is hard to say, Zazvost. Yeah. And... Um, so Savost meets, like, meets Alice, meets mm-hmm. Nicole Kidman. She's she's having a drink by the bar, throwing out the vibes. Uh, he picks up her champagne glass and drinks it himself. Mm-hmm. And she's like, that's my glass. And he's like, I know. <laughs> right? And then they start dancing. And he's basically trying to pick her up. And she's like, hammered, it seems. It seems like she's under a trance. Yes. Is that he's somehow put her in under a trance yeah that's how and i've took some screen grabs and you see her facial expression is that she is like dazed a little bit but i think it's just because she had a shitload of champagne all after like she drank a whole glass then another one then she's already drinking another one and he brings her out to dance and she is speaking so slowly and it just seems like that she's too drunk yeah, she's looking at his eyes the whole time. She's, yeah, she's focused on him. She, it's um, like he's put some kind of spell over yeah, her. Yeah, it could be. It could be something like that. Like a sexy, sexy hypnosis. But he, he's a very charming man. He's talking about, you know, like, uh, you know, how could a, how could a, uh, a marriage, you know, talking about the positives of marriage and talking about how great it is. But it's also the positive like, infidelity. He's trying to pre- uh, preach infidelity to her. But he's also saying how positive marriage is that, you know, if your marriage is strong, it means you can fuck somebody else and it's still OK. Like marriage is one thing and sex is another thing and you don't have to, you know, he it is. He is trying to convince her to fuck him, obviously. Yeah. But he's doing it in a way that's saying like, you will look at I mean, you know, you're married. Your husband's a very lucky man. But I mean, does he take care of you? Is it this? very like that whole scene of him if you did all that super cuts yeah and tried that on a woman in real life she'd be like fuck off boss <laughs> you know but it just seems to work for her at the time and she still is a bit enamored yeah and as she leaves he's like i'm gonna go upstairs but if you think, i'm very rich i'm very yeah. wealthy you know and i know you your husband well, renaissance bronzes and yeah. and the sort of thing is it just seems that um 
if the tr- it's true that the same people are at both parties yeah. and that the women in the party are under a trance, that that guy Sandos or whatever his name is yeah. would ha- is ha- has that skill of hypnosis possibly it just seems that possibly yeah. she's very quickly swayed to be seduced by him I think though the whole the whole time she's very sexualized in the movie anyway so any kind of sexual contact at all and she's away with it do you know she doesn't have to have, she doesn't have to be like cajoled or convinced into bed all he has to do is come along and be like beep beep and She's ready to rock for the rest of the movie for anybody that's that's touching her. The sailor, Tom Cruise, you know, Zvazvost, whoever that guy is. Any kind of attention she's getting, she'll immediately respond to it. And that's maybe well, what, what people the whole thing are is. suggesting is, is that Nicole's character is a victim of the, the MK Ultra mind control. P- quite possibly. And that when we see her fantasy, her fantasy is her just having a, a, a soldier just have his way with her. And she's very complicit to this concept. Yeah. So if you think about the MK Ultra story, is that it's the military, na- naval, naval yeah, it's a naval officer, and that yeah, that that there's techniques that maybe you can use to hypnotize people to your will if if they're you know impressionable, yeah, or if they've done it before, you know, you just carry them over the threshold in your arms like Richard Gere. <laughs> just have really white clothes and they're just like ah they're blinded by your lust and press their buttons um, another weird thing when they're dancing yeah. in, in that ballroom yeah. uh, there's stars on the back wall yeah. 11 pointed stars which is the telemic uh, the telemic order uh, with the five starred oh. pentagram and the six pointed star of David uh, put together so all those oh. stars have 11 points it could be like this is a room where, where magic energy is being uh imprinted on the people who are in it and that's this is maybe one of the things that puts her into a trance as well yeah um we there's a situation happens then where uh Tom- well, just so before you go on to that okay you were speaking about the stars there and yeah. um the interesting thing is when we see nick nightingale first he's got a star behind his back a large star decoration but then when um he comes down off the stage to talk to Tom Cruise. That star that was behind him has disappeared and now it's behind Tom Cruise. And uh, I can show you examples of that uh, in the stills. So if you look for that, it's just a strange because the film was uh, such a, in lo- production for such a long time that all every detail would be noticed and that the stars on, in, on the wall move around. Yeah. Uh, that, because, like I said, Nick Nightingale... I would... I would, I would say I would suggest as well to watch where the stars are behind people in the scene as the camera goes around and around the two of them dancing there is mm. definitely uh, a purposeful movement of those things yeah so for for uh, like the, the crux of the movie now kicks off the start of the arc into Tom Cruise or, or Bill's descent into mm-hmm. like a mad world of uh, occultist sex magic mm. uh, when one of the big men that you talked about comes down and taps his shoulder now mm. at this point Tom has been chatted up by two hookers yeah. Nicole is looking at him while dancing with the Hungarian yeah. and going what the fuck are you doing and she's she, he's not even looking at her these two girls are like come on we take you over to yeah. the end to the, to the end, end of the, the rainbow yeah where the rainbow ends right so that's you know and a funny little thing about it is that one of the girls she says her name is Nuella Windsor right and then Tom says that's strange spell your name and she spells it N-U-A-L LA but that's as anyone in Ireland would know is Nula yeah so for but so she says that she's Nula Windsor but she pronounces it Nuella and and Kubrick points out 
uh, that Nuella is Nuella by having her spell it for some reason. Yeah. So it's just a very peculiar detail in the film is that uh, why is she Nuella Windsor? Windsor is the name of the royal family in England. And why is she, is she got an Irish first name, but she's mispronouncing it? Yeah, it's weird. It's strange. And then Nuella the, is the Irish name. It means the lamb. So that's... Oh. Yeah, it's weird. I didn't know it meant the lamb. Yeah, maybe wow. she was the sacrifice. Sacrificial... For, for the concept. sex party later on or something like that, maybe? Yeah, and then the other girl says that Tom was kind to her because she had something in her eye and uh, she responds by saying, yeah, half of Fifth Avenue. So it's just a strange um, back and forth. Turn of phrase, yeah. Yeah, and like how is this model... So uh, half of Fifth Avenue is under the eye. In her the eye, Illuminati yeah, eye something I don't know. Controls half of Fifth Avenue, something like that. Yeah, well, Fifth Avenue is a very prosperous part of yeah. Manhattan and that kind of Maybe thing. Maybe it's under the eye. There, and, and it Just sounds like two dialogue. crackpots in a room talking conspiracy shit, right? <laughs> it does when we're saying that kind of stuff, like real tenuous links to, you know, eyes, eyes, aliens, they're coming for your brains. But at the same time, Stanley Kubrick doesn't do anything by accident. Every single syllable out of anyone's mouth that goes into that camera and into those microphones that are put out mm. as a film by him is specifically, methodically and meticulously chosen. Mm. So, 400 days of shooting. So, so. those little lines from seemingly you know bit parked actors mm-hmm. that on any other movie they wouldn't even be credited mm-hmm. the, those things were very specific like to choose rainbow to the end of the rainbow mm-hmm. when he goes to get his costume to go to the sex party yeah. to shop as rainbow yeah. like it's all of this kind of stuff maybe the whole thing was set up like that in the first place you get this whole vanilla sky maybe the whole thing was a setup you know like it was all a dream. Well, supposedly they use Wizard of Oz in the MK Ultra program. Yeah. And the whole thing with go under the rainbow, over the rainbow. Yeah. There's some connection with 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 that in mind control. Well, the rainbow was set for um the, all the different colors. They're all set as mind control triggers for M- in MK oh. Ultra. And uh, when they did the chemical program, then for uh, the Vietnam War, which was also part of the Monsanto kind of uh, uh, psychological chemical construction all the the lysergic acid and all that stuff mm. that was all under different things like agent orange project orange project indigo mm. like all of these different color um uh, color Code. uh, codes yeah. code names and operations it was all done with rainbow code mm. in different colors so like it could be someone shouting out to go like check out you know project rainbow right or it could be that pro- like project rainbow was one of those uh uh, American government operations into stealth, into secrecy, into uh, it was part of the U two bomber uh, campaign where they were putting like radar repellent uh, materials on planes. So it could be like we're taking you to the other side of Rainbow, like where this is like stealthy. It's under the radar. We don't see any of this stuff. Mm. Like Kubrick would be looking at that kind of stuff very, very intently. Mm. He was a mad conspiracy head. Like he would be sticking that stuff in, and it seems frivolous and it seems nonsensical, but. And also the Christmas trees, lights would be the colours of the rainbow, I think. Also. As well, yeah. So there's this theme of separate light colours. Yeah. Rainbows are made of light also. He's mad. Like, Kubrick will do that stuff on purpose. Yeah. It's not just like, you know, I mean, who knows? Like I said, it, it, the film is such a long in production that yeah. you'd have to, you nearly have to watch it frame by frame to yeah. get all the bits, it seems. But while the two of them are doing this, so Tom is talking to two, like, high class you know la- yeah. ladies of leisure and Nicole's dancing with the Hungarian and a fella comes down with taps his shoulder and said we have an incident and Ziggler is upstairs 
you know, having sex with some some hooker. And some the thing rando. is, is that that particular moment mirrors a moment from just earlier in the film when Nick Nightingale is tapped on the shoulder and um, led away. And right before that happens, Nick Nightingale says, um, "Bill says I never understood why you didn't want to become a doctor." And Nick Nightingale goes, "You know, I walk away from things, and it's a good feeling." And then right after that happens, he does walk away. Yeah. He's tapped on the shoulder and walks away. And then Bill, then that the same. It's just a mirrored action yeah. that happened. Repeated action. Yeah. yeah, where then Bill is the one tapped away. And in a way, the... And it happens again and again later on at the party. Yeah. He's tapped away. Later the on, phone rings. Yeah, later on at the... Other, at the, the uh, uh, towards the end at the funeral, he's tapped away. To, or at the, when the old man is dying in the bed, he's tapped to come away. So it's all these... Excuse me, sir. Someone wants a word with you. And it seems like a kind of a, a soap opera-y way to get a man to like, exit, stage right. But it's not. It's it, There are these repeated mirrored scenes to bring you well, into Well, if you thing. think that the whole film is a dream. Yeah. And that's why it's called Eyes Wide Shut is because even though when you're dreaming, your eyes are closed. So the whole thing, that's why there's maybe inconsistencies in the background moving around is that it's all in his, his imagination yeah. and that he then is different characters mirrored throughout the film yeah. is he becomes different people. Uh, possibly you know like people have tried to figure it out and Kubrick didn't stay alive long enough to yeah, explain it so um, so he goes up to this room uh, it's like a bathroom with a fancy bathroom has mm-hmm. a sofa and there's a naked woman in there and she's taking an overdose she had this you know a mm-hmm. speedball the thing to kill Belushi and uh, magically and he's a, he's able to fix her by just going open your eyes open your eyes now she's grand now and this guy Ziegler who's you know this famous guy owns the house he's yeah, having the party he's very rich he's zipping up his pants yeah indicating maybe that he's ever getting the ride yeah uh but he's doing it right and um, before tom cruise enters the room so ziggler is already sent to his manservant to get tom cruise uh, so there's a lot of time there for him to get dressed but he's only getting dressed right at the moment that yeah. dr bill enters the room maybe he didn't he didn't finish he, he called your man he's like but oh, so she's, dark though she's you know? and, yeah it does seem a little bit like that he's he's still pa- working away yeah. right when she's passed out unconscious yeah so uh tom comes in takes pity on her her name is mandy we find out and uh, he wakes her up and says you know you want to you want to go to rehab you want to get off drugs get out of this game and uh, ziggler's like thanks very much I, I i you know i owe you a lot and obviously it's it's understood that you know no one's to know about this and tom is like yeah yeah i you know i'm a doctor that's what i do but also the strange thing is that the painting on the wall behind ziegler is a mirror of what's going on in the scene the painting is a a naked woman splayed out the chair yeah she and then that is what's that's what's happening in the scene so whether this is like the imagination of the dreamer or whatever This could be the dream when, when Tom Cruise goes to the party and then he comes home and has a dream about what actually could have happened at the party and all this stuff. It's very odd. So the next scene, yeah. we, we see uh, uh, Tom and Nicole get back together. They go home. Uh, and then from the trailer, which was a minute of Nicole Kidman's arse, and then they zoom in on the, on the mirror and Tom Cruise comes in from behind her and yeah. they just start doing sexy stuff in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And it's full on boobage. And, the, and that was Chris the trailer. It was just a minute and ten seconds of that. Yeah. And then it just went Maybe black. Bad, and went, I, 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 eyes wide shut. Like there was only about twenty seconds of that in the film, and people were going, "Hey, what's we wanted more of Nicole Kidman's boobies or whatever." Uh, but um, the thing is that the scene is played in front of a mirror, yeah. and it's that same mirror that's used on the poster 
for the uh, for the film you know eyes wide shut the poster it's the two characters reflection in a mirror but yeah. it's the same mirror that they're looking into in this scene and the framing of her and Tom together is similar to the framing of her dancing with Sandor and she's looking in the mirror and I don't know if, if we're supposed to be implied that she's really fantasizing about the Hungarian, the Hungarian guy. Right. Yeah, that's the, that's what's kind of implied, I felt. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But there's a lot of uh, weird symbolism as it, as it goes from this point on now. So the next day they're going to work. They're doing yeah. all the stuff. It's yeah. a big long day. Yeah. And the, the conflict arises in the movie when they come home and mm. it's just a humdrum all day. Yeah. We see Tom Cruise like doing his doctor stuff. Nicole Kidman's doing her housewife watching stuff. Watching football, having yeah. a beer. Yeah, sitting down and she's all like, hey, you want something? You know? yeah. She goes into the bathroom, gets enough for a joint, rolls a joint. But the thing is that the joint is in um, a Band-Aid box. A Band-Aid box. And if you've heard of, I don't know if you've heard of Kathy O'Brien. Yeah. Her. So when Kathy O'Brien, we she talked was, about her in MK Ultra, and she was a victim of the Clintons, uh, uh, you know, alleged paedophile activities or so sex, wh- sex slavery. What she was saying, and also with another lady, Bryce, Bryce. Anyway, um, is that marijuana is something that uh, breaks the chains of the mind control, and it's interesting that they have it in an, a band aid box. It's like that she is somewhat sick and that she's using this as a way to um band-aid over her psychological problems so she comes out smokes a little joint and then it all starts to unravel uh tom cruise can't keep control over anymore with his words people think that this is an allegory for their relationship in real life and this you know the cracks start to show she starts asking them she brings him down into a trap by basically saying like tom admits that all men want to fuck that's all they want to do and she's like that's what you were doing with those two girls and that argument and that whole scene Mm. plays out in about eight eight or ten minutes it's i think some of the best like dialogue uh, cinematography and acting in a scene that you could find yeah. it's absolutely class yeah, until yeah. the last bit when she collapses and starts laughing on the ground and I think that was yeah. done out of pure exhaustion because yeah, like yeah. you said they would have had to do that whole argument a hundred times over two or three weeks like same wow. all day every day so hard like it's a ten minute scene yeah. like it's fucking rough man yeah. you know and um, the whole thing is basically she's saying like she admits to him that years ago when yeah. they were on holiday in Cape Cod yeah. uh, there's a, a, a guy a navy guy who yeah. gave her a wink and yeah. it, it you know Im- she said she would give up everything yeah, just it, to have sex with this guy it totally <laughs> yeah it totally enveloped her soul she she just she, she was just she fantasized about it all, all the time yeah. and, and she said and I had sex with you that night and all I could think about was him and Tom Cruise real thick about it and it's a big long yeah real serious like uh, a kind of confession and it's the first time i think she'd been really honest with him in a really long time yeah. and he wasn't able for it yeah then the phone rings and he has to leave and he has to go to this well i guess the other side of the scene too is is that he says that women 
don't do that kind of thing and that we all know the way men are and then she laughs at him and in a way she goes if you only knew yeah if you only knew so it, it's like the she is more mature or more advanced than he is is that she's aware of her dark side and he him is not aware of his own dark well side. he's never experienced he's never experimented maybe because he was, you know, being a doctor for eight years. And he years, said he would he never do lad. anything to her because yeah. he would never lie to her. He never hurt to her. But he's already lied to her earlier in the film. Yeah. Uh, so it's just that he's oblivious to his own uh, shadow is, is how I saw it on the internet. Someone write about it. That yeah. He's oblivious to his shadow. Well, when he goes to, to the, the, the house call, so he gets a call yeah. after this argument, goes to this house call. Yeah. And there's this old dude who's died, this patient of his, yeah. and his daughter is there. Yeah. And uh, uh, I think Nielsen or something was the name. Uh, so the, she kind of sounds a bit like Swedish, something like that. And they go into the the apartment and it's like one of these old fancy, like mm. Magnolia style, uh, uh, real fancy apartments, yeah, right? Yeah. And she sits down and she says, you know, my fiance is going to be here in a little while yeah. and, you know, all this stuff. And straight away, yeah. she leans over and she's like, tell him, roar and cry, yeah. leans and starts kissing him and going, yeah. I love you, I love you, yeah. I love you. Yeah. And he's like, we barely know each yeah. other. The only interactions we've had is about your dead father. Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with you? And she's like, I don't care. I love you. I give up everything. And it dawns on him. is like, fuck, women are like that. No, well, I think what it is also is, is that he's doing a role reversal. And now he is playing the part of the naval officer. Yes. And that she is, if she even looks like Nicole, she even looks like Alice. Her hair is the bit. same way. And that the other, her husband, who has a secure job, is playing the part of Dr. Bill. And he's seeing it from the perspective of what it is to be the object of desire. Because she's willing to give up everything, her secure life, but just it, to have it, sex with him. It confirms his his fear about the thing that Alice told him being really true. He's like, he still, as he, as she was telling him, he's like, I still don't believe it. You can see it in his eyes, like, I don't really believe that you give up everything. Mm. And then minutes later, he's in somebody else's house experiencing that very thing. And mm. he's like... How can you love me? You barely know me. Mm. And she's just like, I love you, I love you. And he's like, mm. but she's women are mental, mm. right? And this snaps in him and he's like, well, you know what? If she's willing to do that, I'm going to go and do some weird shit. And he starts walking the streets. He doesn't get a taxi home. Mm -hmm. He's walking the streets mm -hmm. and uh, this beautiful woman. No, no, you're, 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 you're skipping over that. There's the Yale graduates who pass him in the street and they go, what's this switch hitter playing for? Yeah. You know, and they bang into him. him. Little yeah. gay boy. And what's I've had shits bigger than you. Yeah. What's weird is uh, in the, in this particular scene is that right before at the, do you think that, that, that scene was very important. Do you think that the, those Yale graduates who banged into him and called him a gay boy, do you think that was like, that it's, promoted it's him to go, well, I'm not gay. I'm going to prove it. It's a peculiar scene. It is. That's why I skipped over it. I didn't think it was that important. You see, but the thing do you think is that, it informed well, his decision to go home with a, with, a, with a hooker to some shitty New York apartment because she approached him on the street? Well, I think the pressure's been laid, put, put on him and his sexuality is being questioned, isn't it? And that's this sort of, is it's raising the stakes. I don't know. I mean, he's not acting gay. So he's just walking along the street thinking about his wife. And then the next thing you know, these group of guys go, hey, faggot. You know, they. Yeah. So where are they getting that from, first of all, and how he's behaving? But the weird thing about it is if you watch the, that scene again, okay, um, the 
what's written on the on 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 the billboard yeah. as he's walking down the street is the dialogue from the previous scene. Yeah. So in the previous scene, she's saying "I love you," but she's also says "thank you" because she says "thank you" for his um, sympathy towards her dead father. And so it's and "thank you" and "I love you." And his discretion for not telling the husband. Um, possibly. And but on the walk home, all he sees is sex and infidelity. He sees like a hooker getting her arse felt yes. up by some lad outside a chip yes. shop. He sees an ad on the side yes. where there's two people shifting. He sees well, a fella. And yeah. the thing that's strange is, is that um, he passes a Mexican restaurant yeah. and he also passes a rose shop. And the dialogue coming from the Yale guys is that he was in a Mexican lap dance and he had a rose in his mouth. So yeah. the Yale guys are talking about his the world that Bill is walking through for some strange yeah. reason. Very dreamlike. So I, yeah. th- I think that's part of the clue that the thing actually is the whole film maybe is not real. Yeah. The whole thing is in someone's head. Could it could possibly be? You know, could possibly be. But he, he eventually he gets to the corner and yeah. uh, this this uh, fur bedecked prostitute. Oh wait, before we go on a little bit further, I just want to get back to the <laughs> Yale guys, go okay? On. That the Yale guys, um, they. I'm say, trying to get into the good bit about the sex party get, now because we're running out of time. Oh, okay, we are. Okay, no, but it's, they say something like where they say. Um, they're from Yale, so Yale is the skull and bones, if you know anything about the secret societies. Yeah. And also they say, go back to San Francisco where you came from, and San Francisco is where the Bohemian Grove party is. So there's two references to secret societies in that little group of guys. I didn't see that as very important. But so when other you, people when you online, pull it out like that, yeah. Other people online have, have noticed that the, yeah. the Bohemian Grove reference and the skull and bones reference, because why are they all from Yale in particular? Yeah, maybe, yeah. You know, that's just a peculiar thing. Anyway, go on now. So the the prostitute, the Ferbadec prostitute comes out. Domino. Domino, we call her, right? And she comes out and she's like, hey, what's up? You want Mm -hmm. some time? And he's he's like, okay, look it. My wife is doing all this stuff. I know the women are kind of shitty. He's feeling a little bit bad. He's like, you know what? Fuck it. Mm. Where's your house? Goes up to her house. Mm. uh, They start doing this whole thing. She's kissing him. uh, And then he gets, he gets, I don't know, is it a a phone call from his wife? A text message, phone call. He answers the phone. He's like, I can't really talk right mm-hmm. now. She thinks he's at this funeral. And he uh, he basically, he, he can't go through with it. The guilt is too much. Mm-hmm. He pays Domino the 150 they agreed for mm-hmm. the sex anyway. And he leaves and he starts walking around. The, the interaction with Domino has him, I think, very highly charged sexually. He's looking for a release. He's looking for satisfaction. Mm-hmm. He wants some kind of revenge or some kind of titillation to take his mind off his wife having you know, in, in, uh, infidel, impure, t- thoughts. impure thoughts about some other thoughts, man. Yeah. He's been going over this whole imaginary situation where this Navy guy is fucking his wife in his head in like a black and white kind of uh, fantasy. Yeah, blue, blue and white. Is it blue and white? Yeah. In, in a f- kind of a fantasy uh, uh, reel behind his head. And uh, he then is walking around and he just finds himself outside of the Sonata Club and he remembers, hey, Nick Nightingale is in well, there. But before you go on, the word domino is also another word for Venetian mask. Oh. And that Domino's apartment has masks all over the wall. And so does the apartment of the guy who died previously. There's yeah. also masks on the wall. So there's this theme of masks 
throughout. So anyway, I just thought I'd put that in there. Oh, yeah. The domino is also another name for those masks, I those Venetian masks. I did not know. So he goes into he goes into the Sonata Club and Nick Nightingale. They basically have the chats, and yeah. Nick is like, "Come here, this gig later on tonight. It's pretty weird. I don't know where it is." Yeah. And He's, the Sonata Club has also got heavy security. Yeah. Like there's a big bouncer outside, kind of similar to the bouncers that yeah. we see throughout Ziggler the whole film. Yeah, throughout the whole film. So that's another thing: is why is this at jazz club? under such heavy security it's all protected everything is so protected so Nick Nightingale is like I have a gig later on they don't tell me where you know where the location of the gig Mm. is until like an hour before and then someone comes along and he rings him up and he writes down some stuff on a piece of paper and and Bill is like what's that he's like it's a password he's like what it's a password Mm. what kind of party is this give Mm. me the address so you give him the address Mm. but you have to wear a costume it's a costume thing you gotta Mm. get a mask and a costume right so he has to go to this place and here's one of the weirdest scenes in the whole film. Yeah. He lands in, and it gets weirder, but this is one of the weirdest yeah. scenes for me. He lands into this costume yeah. shop. There's a Russian guy answering the door. He, he rings the doorbell because yeah. he knew the guy who used to own it. Yeah. This Russian guy comes down. I need a costume. I need a cape and a mask yeah. and the whole thing. He offers him $200 above the, Before the, the you rental go on, price. What's strange is he takes a cab to the, the costume place. Yeah. But we see in the reflection of the glass that he's actually across the street from the Sonata Cafe. That's weird. So it's just another strange dream logic thing. Yeah, yeah. And also, it, when he's taking the cab, we see it in a long shot, and there's a poster for for sewing and cloth. So that the reality is a projection of his own thoughts in a way. Or maybe Does the Sonata Club sense? is behind him. It's something that he's been. This is the reason he was there is now the rainbow, the two girls take him to the edge of the rainbow. Well, the like rainbow fashion shop is across the street from the Sonata Cafe. Yes. Yeah, so why would he get a taxi see, there? Why though? would he get a taxi there? Yeah. And then, then later on in the film, when he goes to the Sonata Cafe, he gets out of the taxi across the street and then crosses over, but doesn't notice that the rainbow shop is there because he's got his costume in his hand. Yeah. It's just a strange detail. Very I don't know strange. what it means. Let's see what the audience okay. thinks. Check it out. <laughs> Um, so he, he the Russian guy goes okay I'll give you this cape you know yeah. blah 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 and as the, as he's giving him and he's the, affected from a bald spot which <laughs> yeah, is he's, tra- he's like you're, do- you're a medical doctor okay you you look at my rash look at my hair is falling down yeah, it's just why like why well, is because, that because like, maybe this guy doesn't go to a doctor often so they hear these noises yeah. as he's giving them the, the, the costume and lo and behold in one of the little changing rooms there's a Japanese guy hiding behind some coats. And then there's another Japanese guy hiding behind a sofa. And then he come, the Russian guy comes in and goes, you little slut! And he hits somebody from behind the couch. And Lily Sobieski, I think she's about 16 or 17. And maybe this, younger. Maybe younger. Pops up in a brand knickers and she's like, you dirty little slut! What are you doing here? And the Japanese guys are like, the girl invited us up. She's a child. She's a child, you fuckers. Yeah. And he baits the shit out of him and locks, yeah. him, in the, locks him in the room. Yeah. And says, I'm going to call the cops. Now, on the table, Sean pointed out to me. There's a pizza box. Pizza box. Why is there Why is there a pizza box? It seems weird. Chinese food and a pizza box. Yeah. Maybe it's something that will be linked with pizza. And it's gate. half one is in the morning. It's pretty late at night. Yeah. It's weird. It's a weird situation yeah, where there's two Japanese guys up there. And, and, and she's Chinese smiling the whole time. On the thing. Weird. She's smiling the whole time. What she runs out of the room, grabs yeah. Tom Cruise from behind, gives him a big hug. And then he looks at her and she gives this weird, like almost uh, uh, I don't know like demented smile and then she whispers something in his ear and if you watch the DVD you can see the subtitles of what she whispers and she says get a cloak lined with ermine fur 
That's weird. That's what she says. What's ermine fur mean? Ermine is a, it's a kind of a ferret and it was used, um, their fur was used in the cloaks of royalty back in the, back in the day, back in the middle ages or that time, Baroque period. That is weird, isn't it? So yeah, it's just a weird thing. She whispers in here, but you can only see that when you put on the subtitles on the DVD. (laughs) (laughs) Kubrick making the, making the subtitles all weird. But that's the cloaks that they're wearing or, uh, I, Ermine fur is mainly cloaks of the royalty. So when you you know when you see the king and he's got a cloak and it's got this white with little speckles on it. Do you ever right. notice yeah, those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sure. ermine. Like a ruffle. It's ermine. Ermine, yeah. It's a that. type of ferret. Or, so he anyway, gets he gets a cloak and he gets a mask. Yeah. And the mask is, is cast from the face of Ryan O'Neill. <laughs> which is it's a, another is that weird true? another yeah, another weird detail. That's what it says on the internet, yeah. It's cast from Ryan O'Neill. Oh, yeah, M- wow. modelled on his yeah. modelled on his huh. face, yeah. And the weird thing about Millick's costume shop is that the background is a mixture of the two parties. It's a mixture of Ziegler's party and it's a mixture of the the, the cloak. The sex party he's the about to party, go to. Yeah, because if you look in the background, it's people in tuxedos and people with cloaks and masks on the mannequins yeah. in the background. So that's a strange detail that the costume shop and also the costume shop is very high security when Millick is going in yeah. to get the cloaks and stuff he has to go through all there's this like cages and yeah stuff there's a like cage that, yeah. so why is why is uh, costumes like such need to be locked down like uh, that M- Millick is played by uh, Rade Zerbejia who we saw it's a very as, memorable performance yo absolutely he's he's class and everything he's in love, Snatch as well oh, he, he, he plays the, the, the Russian that can't be killed you know I like he says I'm trying to sell my customer yeah <laughs> $100 no not enough 200 you say okay I open let's go really fucking he's a good like, actor great. yeah absolutely yeah. Well, he's my he's he my best support cast for, for me absolutely yeah. like the performance and we'll talk about his second appearance in a little while so uh, so basically he gets he, you know he gets in a cab he goes out to this house out in the country yeah. uh, the place is called Somerton yeah. and it's pitch black dark and all you can see is yeah. the gates and there's two guys at the gates he arrives in a taxi which yeah. for these people obviously is going to be a tell yeah. because everyone there is elite are going to be turning up in limos and yeah. shit like that he turns up in a taxi offers the taxi driver money to, to stick around yeah. uh, gets his stuff gets his cloak says the password that he got from Nick Nightingale, which yeah. is Fidelio, which yeah. is a Beethoven opera. And, and the, the mansion that they go to is called Mentmore Towers in reality. And it's the same mansion that was used in Batman Forever. Oh, yeah. And the, the Christopher Nolan Batman films as Wayne Manor. Wow. So... You must go there sometime. Dr. Bill shows up to Wayne Manor. <laughs> <laughs> the elitist of elite, right? Well, that's... There you go. Um, so... Uh, basically he gets into the place and he puts his mask on and he starts walking around and he walks in on this really weird uh, uh, ritual that's going on and the time he arrives it's 10 to 2 in the morning because there's actually a clock and the tower so he'd prefer for the people who (laughs) the nerds so (laughs) he he walks in so like time wise you're talking about it's proper Uh, he walks in and uh, there's uh, uh, you know a dude uh, with a, an incense banger yeah. banging around on chains. dressed like a Catholic cardinal or something. And there's a circle of women and yeah. they're playing this weird music which I looked up because it was so weird. I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. It's called Backwards Priests by Jocelyn Pook. Okay. And she's a violinist and she wrote this whole piece yeah. and they play that but the lyrics are backwards. Yeah. And so, it's, isn't it a Romanian mass or Orthodox something? Romanian priestly, priestly chant. And, and the, the chant yeah. forward says yeah. and God told his apprentices I gave you a command but they play it backwards. So it's all like And is that something with magic where you 
where you take something sacred and when you play it backwards, you make it profane. Is well, that's what they're saying about, the, about the, 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 the satanic side of it is this yeah. reverse religious, reverse, reverse Christianity mass, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the red guy in the middle is he's like a like a high priest or so of some kind. He seems to be and running also, the whole show. There's no Christmas decorations. So through the whole film, every place has Christmas decorations except for this mansion. And as we know from our uh, Christmas episode, our Santa Claus episode on those conspiracy guys, if you haven't listened to it, go and check it out. Now, the Christmas tree was taken over from the Roman. Uh, ritual or the Roman celebration of Saturnalia, which used to happen of December uh, in in Roman times, and it was and it was a kind of a debaucherous time where yeah. people would drink, eat, drink, and be merry, and exchange presents, and just be generally uh, kind of, uh, kind of overindulgent. All, yeah, it? absolutely. Like sexually, also. Uh, I mean, you know, the, you can see the paintings of Saturnalia, and there's nothing but like you know those Romany kind of like roundy tits and. Loads of wine glasses and no. eating grapes on the vine and stuff like that. It looks really weird. But uh, Saturnalia is represented in every other scene by that Christmas tree. Oh. So, like, at the party, the Ziegler party, which is, you know, tame but still a little bit mm. kind of celebratory Christmas tree. In the prostitute's house, a kind of a ragged, kind of a small... Yeah, it's there. It's still there, yeah. but it's like a ragged, kind of a, like a yeah. pitiful Christmas tree. It's like, well, there's going to be a party here, but it's not going to be a great party. Like, this kind of way... And at the at the big house, Christmas doesn't have to be represented because the whole thing is Saturnalia. It's the real deal, you know. I always thought they are not not because it was, was Christian that they maybe that the didn't Christmas want tree is an Illuminati symbol because um, if you think about the eye and the triangle, the eye a is similar. At the top. Yeah, that the eye is glowing at the top of the Christmas tree, and it's the same shape as the pyramid with the eye. Yeah. you know, so it's some sort of double meaning. Po- quite possibly, you know, I don't know. So he went into this thing. He sees this ritual, and basically, your man is knocking this yoke around, and there's a load of women in mm-hmm. cloaks, and they all doff the cloaks they throw mm-hmm. them onto the ground uh, titties and arses all over the place they're still in knickers now so it's not you know prof- profane he's got a staff and he taps the staff yeah. and that causes them to to turn around and leave and yeah. t- they go and pick somebody from the crowd and they go upstairs and uh, at, at one point they're all kissing each other in a very ritualistic way mm-hmm. and passing the love from one to the other and uh, you know uh, T- Tom Cruise's character Bill is watching this whole thing and from upstairs there's a guy that looks like he's wearing a kind of a George Washington type hat. It could be like a Founding Fathers-esque type hat. Mm. So it could be like a symbol of uh, the old firm or Illuminati of old. Nobody else seems to be wearing a hat. It's all hoods and masks. And this guy has this... Well, the hat is part of the mask. Um, yeah. And if you supposedly, if you go to Milton Keynes uh, in England, there's a sculpture out in Milton Keynes that is this dude with the hat and the overbite. He has this... L- like a beak. A, yeah, he has kind yeah. of a beak or an overbite. And that maybe it's some kind of symbol for the uh, the Rothschild family. Or it something. could be that. Also, that get up with the hat and that particular mask mm. uh, traditionally is mm. the mask that Casanova would use when he went to those uh, elitist kind of sexy parties in Italy. In oh. in the days of uh, well, he was. Of old. I think he was Venetian, also. But yeah, in, in Venice, yeah. yeah like so, so. The, these Italian sexy parties where they dr- wear these masks and go in and do all this stuff. That's the the get up that he'd wear, which is the the, the tri corner hat, yeah. and this white kind of beaked overbite. Uh, uh, and the thing. thing is, is that they spot Bill right away, and I think that the reason that they do is, is that he is 
walked in on a ritual and everybody at that ritual knows their place and knows what they're supposed to do except for Bill and to someone who would have be very familiar with the ritual Bill would stand out because he's not in the right place what's he doing over there yeah. and that's why I think they notice him that that's my because he, he, he gets spotted he does he gets spotted straight away soon I mean and, and then when they go and investigate him they're like well this cunt arrived in a taxi and <laughs> yeah. he said he said the password but he's like he didn't really know and he has a mask that I, I sometimes would wonder is that like a metaphor for Kubrick himself going to one of these parties see Kubrick an outsider was, yeah an outsider and that Kubrick himself was a guy who played chess on the street for money when he was a young man in his early 20s so he'd see himself as sort of like the New York cab like kind of a New York street guy and here he is arriving at Mentmore Towers yeah. so I think that was just maybe I'm reaching but that it the cab the New York cab is sort of a metaphor for Stanley going to one of these yeah I would imagine there's a lot know? of people feel like outsiders going into those kind of elitist parties and stuff like that so it's but i think that the the core of those parties ha are uh, are their families have been doing that for generations exactly and that you know and that's exactly. sort of that it's an older world that he stumbles into oh absolutely there's like a tradition there and yeah because and all the ritual. paintings on the yeah. wall the only things that you see are these old paintings yeah. on the wall of from it seems like it and uh so so then we never ever get to see what the inside of the house looks like normally or who lives there in the whole movie it doesn't show you who actually lives there or who belongs to that address but uh we see bill then walking through all the rooms and everyone's uh, like fucking going at, it. going at it like rabbits and it's all you know very uh, uh, uh overzealous sexual activity and groups of people standing around watching people fuck and then eventually and all the women are in high-heeled shoes high-heeled and naked and what i notice is that when nicole is on the bed having sex with a naval officer She's even though she takes off all her clothes she keeps her high-heeled shoes on and at the start of the movie you she's were saying, wearing high-heeled shoes when she yeah. takes her dress off so these ladies all get naked but they keep their high-heeled shoes on she takes her dress off and she's not wearing any underwear yeah just slips off yeah so maybe she was coming back from that party and you think it's like a time lapse i don't know yeah that's who knows because yeah. the the time the timeline for the film is it shows her taking her dress off and then they're getting ready for the party so why would she be getting taking her clothes off to go to, you know what i'm saying yeah I, I i said to you when you said that to me earlier maybe she's coming back from work but it doesn't seem like she does well she's very work. glamorous Oh yeah, she doesn't. She says she's looking for a job yeah. when she talks to Sandor, but also she sort of dressed glamorously when she takes her clothes off at the yeah. very first show. Weird, it is weird. Um, so so basically, uh, one of the the naked girls comes up, taps Bill on the elbow, and goes like, "Come here, listen. What's the fucking crack?" And and then uh, she's wearing a domino mask. So I think that's what what's the the message is, is that these women are prostitutes, just like Domino was yeah. back in the apartment. And he goes, she goes, you know, you, you know, are you supposed to be here? What's the crack? You know, they're looking for you. And then another woman turns up, which we later find out could or could not, or may may or may not be Mandy. And uh, the and girl she, that that's he saved. the woman who was who who first kissed him when he entered the party, and she returns. Yeah. Because she she was helped out, she was brought back from the brink of death at the party in Ziegler's house, and uh, you know she maybe felt like she owed him one. But how would she know it's him? Because he hasn't how shown his face know? yet. How would she know? How does she know? Yeah. Maybe she's just a good-hearted hooker. Maybe it's you know. Yeah, because she spots him right away. Because right she away. says, um, "You're not supposed. You're, you're not, not supposed to be here." Yeah, but she pulled him out. You got to get out of here. Like it's it's not safe for you here. Maybe she's just you know a good-hearted hooker, or maybe she does know it's him. And the interesting thing... Because later on we find out that when he left, when he checked the jacket, yeah. he had a ticket in the thing that had his name on it. Yeah. So maybe she was like, she heard the rumors going around the house. It's like, oh, that's Dr. Bill Harford. That's Dr. Bill Harford. And she's like, oh my God, 
he's the guy with the, oh shit get the guy oh, that looks like Ryan O'Neill yeah, so right. she went she knew who he was she'd heard the rumors but also she Ziegler would know who he was oh absolutely too. and shit himself because Nick Nightingale you know let, let's spill but I see obviously I think Ziegler possibly could be the guy in the red cloak even though he's got an English accent when he speaks when yeah. he holds the staff and the staff is very similar to, to the, the pool, pool cue the end, at yeah. the end of the film yeah, maybe. and they're also he taps the table in a similar way that he taps the, the pool cue in the circle so basically like Bill is just you know parading around his house getting loads of you know titty titty eyeball action and uh he, you know the the girls are coming to him and saying you got to fucking get out of here it's his second warning you got to get out of here son and the next thing he gets a tap on the shoulder is like are you the man with the taxi waiting outside and he's like um fuck yeah i am well your driver's at the door causing quite a fuss and he gets uh, you know called out to the to go back to the front door yeah. he ends up going into the main room and he gets accosted and everybody's standing there and he gets in they close the circle around him and the red red priest is sitting in the middle and he's like what was the password? He's like, um, Fidelio. And what is the second password? That's the password for the door. Mm. And he's like, I've forgotten. Oh, take off your fucking clothes, you dirty boy. Mm. And he, he's, he's forced to take off his clothes. Who knows what would have happened if he had cooperated? Did they just want to shame him and, you know, make him show he's willy? And then they said, take off your, take off your mask so everyone can see you. Mm. And then the next thing uh, from the ba- from the top of the balcony, we hear this cry. I will, I will stand in yeah. for him. Don't do it. Don't. It's very high handed. Very too. weird. Yeah, and it's this same prostitute that's warned him twice. Yeah, it could be Mandy from the from the start of the movie who yeah. he saved, and uh, she basically gives herself up for him so he can go free and said, right, get out of here, right. So he's he's out on his heels. And the thing is, is that this is the second time that Mandy has, or that lady has saved him from infidelity because he was about to go with the two girls at the first party, and then he's called away. And then the second time he's about to go off with that that naked lady. Yeah. And then Mandy calls him away again. So she saved him from cheating on his wife twice. twice. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, he he leaves the party. He comes home, and he walks into a room where. Uh, uh, Alice is asleep and she's laughing in her sleep mm. similar to the laugh that she's doing w- at the f- earlier mm-hmm. part of the film where she's making fun of him yeah when she's laughing so it's a similar because it's an over laugh so the, tor- the, the, the the tale she tells when she wakes up he's like I just had a really shit night and then I got caught for being at a sex party oh my god it's fucking bullshit but he doesn't tell her everything but he's just like I have a shit night and she's like, I was having a dream. I was having a dream. I was at a party and everyone was, you yeah. know, had loads of masks on. And all these men were fucking me. And I was looking at you and I was laughing. Mm-hmm. But while she was asleep, she was laughing at him as he walked. Like she was quiet. And then he walked in the door and then she started to laugh. And maybe she's and laughing. And a paranoid type would be like, what the fuck are you laughing at? Yeah. And maybe she's laughing about the same thing earlier in the film but she doesn't say it out loud yeah but she's because her laugh is so overdrawn at that yeah. part so why is that Very emphasized yeah so that's anyway so maybe it's the thing of like she was she had she's one of the girls she had seen him at the party and she's like oh fuck see i don't know if she was caught a guy that's not supposed to be here and she got home real quick and she took off her dress and that's the thing we see at the start and then she gets into the bed real quick and but she's very comfortable at the start, so it's not that. Because Maybe when not. she kicks the thing off at the start, I don't think she's at that particular party. But she has I been think at parties similar. Been at similar parties. Right. So uh, then he goes to bed, and then he wakes up, and he's told by these people before he leaves, "Don't investigate this any further, yeah. or it'll be trouble for you and for your family." Mm-hmm. So it's just like a scare tactic. So basically, the rest second half of the movie. So this, in true kind of Kubricky style, the movie splits in two. Mm-hmm. So like Full Metal Jacket or. Uh, 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 
and the uh, clockwork orange halfway through the film yeah so we're finished at the halfway mark and in the second half of the movie that's like i'm not going to go into the second half of the movie because it's very um you know particular how the cards fall uh and bill is trying to reveal the the mystery of this whole party right but basically like uh he, he's he's trying to figure out what happened and was it a real thing he ends up getting a paper and in the paper the next day he sees that like a former miss new york pageant winner mm. uh, uh, slash model uh called amanda has has amanda curran uh, an ex-beauty queen has been killed uh well has died of an overdose in a hotel Man- room and he's like amanda mandy oh shit and he goes at some point he goes then to try and see can he he uses doctor's credentials to get mm. into the hospital to see her body and he sees her and he's like that's fucking that's mandy mm. man what the fuck uh was she the girl at the party like i was kind of trying to see were the tits the same i was going he can't really tell like would he sit her up and see if her tits laid because that's the only way he could well, identify her he leans into her very close and it's similar to the way um the two people with the masks at the party kiss each other and so that's yeah. how he knows it's the same girl because he comes in and he and it, it's this um, repeat of behavior yeah. pattern that that clues us in that it's the same woman um and also on the second day everyone he goes to see isn't there yeah he goes to see nick nightingale nick nightingale's not there he and he gets the story about nick nightingale he goes to see domino she's not there he gets the story about nick nightingale from the guy in the hospital or the guy in the hotel at the counter yeah who's like yeah like i'll tell you something weird about what happened yeah. to nick he came in he had a black guy and there's two guys with him were just like Whoa. so yeah I, I would be scared if it was me yeah. at that point you'd be like fuck what the fuck is happening here right yeah. and the symbolism as it, as it all as it all starts to fall down around there's symbols uh repeating from the night before so stuff on sidewalks so you get signs there's different mm. reflections as you said earlier on there's a whole setup towards it and it feels like the first half of the movie is the dream and the second half is him awake wondering if it was a dream or not going around to all these places going yeah that guy's not and there. it's different now yeah like it's when he in the goes light of to day the, it's in the light of day when he goes to the costume shop um millich now is cool with the two japanese businessmen or japanese men yeah. with his daughter so it seemed like the, it's everything has changed yeah it's it presto change uh he gets to the he gets to domino's apartment he knocks the door her roommate is there yeah she opens the door and she's like okay come on in you look like a nice and her guy roommate is a redhead yes whose hair is similar to nicole kidman's yes. hair in a way so there's this like i said but pattern. immediately when he goes in she doesn't say that she's a prostitute but immediately starts, starts being sexually like inappropriate yeah. and un, un, undoes her buttons yes. and starts feeling her tits. Yeah. And then she's like, I've got some news for you. You should sit down. And he's like, okay. She doesn't say like, hey, stop touching me or whatever. Yeah. Very weird behavior from, yeah. from yeah. Bill. He sits down at the table and she goes, yeah, well, look, Domino had has HIV. She got a blood test this morning. That's why she's not here. And he's like, I'm very, very sad to hear that. And you know what's weird is also that there's a lens flare that comes right when she get, he learns that she's HIV. And in a way, it could be Kubrick saying, this is where the rainbow ends. Because the lens flare off the camera is similar to a rainbow yeah, because it makes prison. an arch yeah, yeah. shape. And it's right when he finds out that she's HIV positive, this lens flare appears. So maybe the two girls at the start were like, we're going to take you where the rainbow's end, where the rainbow ends. Yeah. So if he had to have sex with those two girls at the start, he would have got HIV because maybe they have it. Who knows? Yeah, it's or weird. It's just that, that there's certain times where you see this lens flare. It also happens when he sees the Yale guys yeah. too. There's this lens flare on the camera and it's some clue. Like that's the mystery of the movie is what is this rainbow that is, what, what you know, why, why is it that he wants to go where the rainbow ends? Yeah. 
Rainbow, I'm going to look up the symbolism of the, of the rainbow. I was just speculating about that project and these kind of different things. There is something to it, and that phrase is particularly picked. I couldn't find that in my looking. But uh, as he's as he's walking around the streets, then he picks up. He goes to a paper shop, mm-hmm. um, and he ends up picking up this paper. And the, f- the front headlines of the paper say "Lucky to be alive." Mm-hmm. And he's being followed by this baldy man who starts to like freak him out. And he's yeah. like, am I being followed now? He goes out back out to the house, back out to Somerton. And immediately when he arrives at yeah. the door, a car drives down the driveway and an old man hands him a letter yeah. that has and his full name yeah. on it. Yeah. And it says, do, do not continue these inquiries. Yeah. You're fruitless inquiries. You know, your family's safety depends on it. Ve- all very, very weird. Goes to the morgue, does all this stuff. Yeah. He, 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 he then... But here, before starts you go to break on, down. Yeah, but before he goes to, um, he runs away from the bald-headed guy chasing yeah. him. He goes to a coffee shop. Yes, and he goes it, into the cafe. What's yeah. strange is, is that the Christmas decorations as he's entering the coffee shop are the same Christmas decorations that will be on display in Ziegler's house a little bit later on yeah. in the film. Yeah. So, but I don't like know why. A, it's like a room of safety. Like, is this is the room of safety. And then late, as he's in the coffee shop, he opens up the paper and he and gets he awful reads, news. Yeah, he reads about Amanda dying. And also yeah. the headline on the front of the paper says, lucky to be alive. So it... it it seems could it could it, it be that could it be that he, when he goes to Ziegler's house later on he feels okay I'm in a safe place now like Victor's got me like I'm good and then he finds out bad news towards the end maybe that that uh, the, the uh, Christmas, Christmas decoration thing, it could be that and it also the Christmas decoration in particular that I'm talking about looks like ovaries yeah you know what I'm talking about yeah. this particular decoration so it's a very it could, it could look like the cross tennis rackets though either yeah it's like that wreath that looks kind of like a uterus with two little candles on it yeah. right yeah and you yeah. see it in the coffee shop and you see it at Ziegler's house. So I, yeah, I'm, I don't know, weird. people, t- whatever people think, maybe I'm not just, sure. Maybe the art department just ran out of Christmas decorations. They ran out of props. They're like, sure, <laughs> yeah. we can use the one from the coffee shop. We yeah. have Ziegler's house. People will think it looks like ovaries. Um, yeah, so the basic, the, the, the crux of the movie finishes with Ziegler going, look at, you know, what's the crack? And they're playing pool, you yeah. know. And and the pool stick is similar to the the, the staff that the red cloaked guy was uh, had in the orgy party. Could the red cloaked guy have been Ziegler? Maybe he spoke in a different accent, though, didn't he? He spoke in a different accent, yeah. yeah. But Ziegler's the host of the first party, yeah. and the first and the second parties are kind of mirrors of each other because the whole thing is about reflections and things in mirrors. Yeah, you see that theme throughout doubles contrasting. Yeah, and yeah. even yeah, so that it's the same people at both parties, and Ziegler's the host of both parties. Possibly so. That's what it is. Yeah, you'd wonder though, um, in that ritual, like how many people were out in the audience that would know a fuck Bill was here. Like, yeah. could could he show his face at any party in the future? Was that him finished socially? Like, is that? And the funny thing is, is that right maybe before, it was an initiation, right? Maybe if he had taken off his clothes, they would have initiated him into the whole situation. Or they could have killed him and then dumped his body. Yeah, possibly. But uh, the thing is, when you were saying how do you, show his how do you face, you ever get into any of those parties in the first place. You know, you have to do something. Maybe that was the thing you had to do to sneak in, sneak in, and you know, get Nick Nightingale to give you the password. Maybe. Uh, when Bill is going over to the the old man who died, he says to Nicole Kidman, I better go over there and show my face. And then that is what happens later in the film is that at the orgy party, he does show his face. And it seemed like that wealthy old man who died would have been someone possibly who would have been in the community yeah. of the elites who would be participating in one of these parties. Possibly. 
you know yeah he was the he was the missing he was the guy missing at that party and and uh, Bill, took, uh, his Bill took his place <laughs> I don't know could have been you never know the nightingale as well the symbolism is uh, between the connection between love and death so maybe there's that oh is, it, is there a Hans Christian Andersen story called the nightingale I think is a is something it's a Greek myth it's also a Greek, yeah, Greek myth? myth story. Okay. Yeah. Um, but like the Nightingale with love and death, it could be that, uh, you know, Nick Nightingale's uh, uh, confession, his, his the pa- passing on of the password, singing, yeah. sing, like singing like a bird, yeah. uh, told him all the stuff and it connected him with, with death because the old man died, Ma- Mandy died, like he nearly died. It was like maybe, you know, the, the name is chosen particularly. Yeah, yeah it has a reason. I'm not sure. And Ziggler basically gives him the whole the whole shebang and says, look at these are fucking dangerous people. Like you, you made a show of me. That yeah. fucking Nightingale guy made a show of me. Like, come yeah, on, man. You can't prick. be yeah, that prick Nightingale. Like you can't, you prick piano player. You can't be, you can't be doing that. Like what, and then he what, even what makes, were you thinking? He, he says, even makes like, this sound of ideals. Yeah. And it's kind of like co- coming, you know, Kinda. in a way. Like, I, like a cartoon character would ejaculate. Yeah, something. It, it, bing. Yeah, you, and bing. And then he also taps uh, the the pool the the chalk for the pool um, cue in a similar manner to the the red cloak guy taps yeah. in the party. And there's this thing with two taps. And then when Nick Nightingale and Bill first meet each other at the uh, the original Ziegler party, they both tap each other a lot. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that detail, but tap the shoulders. Yeah, like, hey, they tap. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. both tapping each other. So I, I felt that there was some some connection there with the taps well Ziegler basically gives Bill the the old kind of like come here you fucking got away with that one like yeah. but don't go looking after these lads and Bill is like shitting tries to deny it and he's like yeah. let's be frank yeah. that scene's so tense and Tom Cruise is so good in that yeah. scene I don't think that, that the way Tom Cruise is and the, the, the status he has in the Scientology religion yeah. I don't think in real life that there's anybody that can make him genuinely feel like that so uh, I noticed when uh, <clears throat> Bill is told the truth of the party. Like brilliant acting. Yeah. And he says that the same people, you know, he, uh, that uh, the girl from the party is the girl in the morgue. But he has his hand on his face, resting on his face, like he's comforting himself in a strange way. Yeah. He has his hand pressed up against his face. But he makes the same... Maybe to hide something that he might confess. Because in both things, the waitress is asking him, like, well, how do you know Nick Nightingale? And he has his hand on his face and he doesn't want to say, he invited me to a weird sex party. Or it was like, what do you want with Nick Nightingale? Yeah. He, he does, I, I, I'd give you his address, only I don't think he'd want you to see. And he's holding his thing. He's like, yeah. I'm an old friend. And she's like, okay, not he fucking gave me an invite to a sex party then they got killed and similarly <laughs> there where Ziegler is asking them like yeah. do you know what you were at like do you, like wh- where did you get that stuff yeah. and he's like um, I just figured it out like he's going don't don't bullshit me Bill. so it's a Come parallel on, gesture he yeah. makes at the diner when he's asking about Nick Nightingale in the second half of the film and then when Ziegler reveals the truth that Amanda Curran was the lady at the party he holds his head in a similar way yeah, and I don't know what the meaning of it maybe is maybe to try and hide the lie like he was trying to you know obfuscate his, the truth from or hold that. his face yeah hold his head up because it's um, the whole thing is about uh, your your identity and masks and that kind of yeah. theme you know so his face itself is a mask maybe so but it was it was weird how Ziegler just goes look maybe it was all a big sham maybe we realised that you'd stumbled on our weird sex party and that you know we just wanted to scare the shit out of you 
because uh, you know yeah. it's not really we weren't going to really do anything he's like well if it was all a big scam how come this girl died yeah. he's like dude you've already seen her in the od come on like she was, she a was fucking gonna junkie. die anyway when she was going home she was going home with a ball of money where do, where, where do you think that money like she was a hooker and she was hooking at the sex party getting mm-hmm. fucked by like 40 guys she got a shitload of money where do you think all that money was going to go it was going on drugs and this is the this is the first night she got a, a load of drugs into her she just fucking od'd man and, she was just greedy hooker like in order to drive his point home he he makes he points at bill in a particular kind of aggressive way but it's the same way that the red cloak character pointed to bill um it's the same type of gesture yeah when he's saying you know don't tell what happened here or that sort of thing yeah it's just, so that's why i another clue in that Ziegler could be the red cloaked character. Yeah, very weird. And then the, the, the final scene, they're going shopping with Helena, the, yeah. the daughter, and it's... Uh, Strange it's, toys. Uh, yeah. The toys are magic circle toys. Did you, did you notice that? No. So in the, um, in the toy shop, they pass this magic circle display and so the circle oh, yeah. it, the magic circle is also at the sex party because the, the red cloaked guy is in the middle of a circle and oh, the yeah. women are in, in around him in a circle so I don't know why there's magic circle toys in the and, toy and shop and straight after they go for a baby's pram so maybe the whole thing is to a baby's yeah I don't know and then uh, she holds to it. create life to make to, to you know maybe it's a, a, a kind of a, with the ovaries in the in the decorations oh. and the whole sex thing maybe it's to make babies I'm going to get dark now maybe it's to make babies so that they, they can keep them off the grid and use them for like satanic sex rituals so there's babies being had by hookers that they have under under lock and key and they have them privately and then like you know yeah, who pizza knows? gate the babies up and cut them up and drink their blood and but none sh- of them are on on record so there's nobody missing any kids they're I mean farming, that's really you're babies. really running with it but that's the, that's what the pizza <laughs> get, I'm telling you you're accusing me of running with it no, the fucking I mean, mad random stuff you're going to but I'm saying like it seems weird that yeah. like it's it's magic circle and babies and why why yeah. is is it for sex for gratification the pizza gate stuff that's coming out now is telling this kind of thing where they're 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 making they're farming kids yeah. instead of stealing other people's kids they're like we have women that are willing to stay pregnant and do this kind of abramovich uh, uh spirit cooking kind of stuff and cutting up babies and yeah well um helena the child chooses a barbie doll yeah uh to show to her mother and the barbie doll has got one hand up and one hand down sort of like what's above as below above so below sort of gesture mm. on the barbie doll and the barbie doll Very is a, baf- a baphomet sign yeah, as well yeah and the barbie the doll also up. is like the, the ladies at the party that, that that they themselves are like Barbie dolls, yeah. and that maybe Helena will have the same fate as Nicole Kidman and think, all these other women. I think when Bill comes home from that whole exchange with Ziegler, mm-hmm. he goes into the child's room and he looks at her asleep, and that thought is kind of dragged across the mm-hmm. mind of the viewer as well, where you're like, and also the daughter of the uh, costume shop guy is an underage yeah, girl, so Lily that's Sobieski. his daughter. So. Is he like is this p- with his own kid? Yeah, is, is that part of the whole thing? Like, And she's also in blue light. And yeah. blue, it seems, is danger yeah. from... Anytime there's something dangerous or threatening in the film, there's this blue light that appears. Yeah, very strange. Um, Tom Cruise is like, how are we going to fix this whole thing? Like, you know, uh, I mean, all this stuff has happened. I, you know, the two of us are, are lying to each other. It's this whole thing. And uh, Nicole Kidman comes out with this. She goes, there's something very important we need to do as soon as possible. And he kind of looks at her like, huh? And she's like, fuck. And the movie ends, it's black screen, and yeah. you're like, Jesus. What was that all about? Yeah. Is it, is it, it, was it a dream? Is it, a, is it just like a bump in their relationship? Is this like 
an allegory for for their relationship breaking down lack of communication or was he actually at a sex party did she actually have these dreams is this you know and is the story over it doesn't feel like it's fully over no. and, and the other thing is that um people have pointed out now i, I don't know if this is 100 percent true that the people in the toy shop in the background look similar to the folks at the first party and that possibly helena has been abducted in the moment that Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman are talking to each other because they don't look at her. She runs around oh, behind Jesus. the corner and that there's two men there <laughs> who look similar to two men from Ziegler's first party. Quite possibly. And then that could be the it. And that maybe that's why it's the last line of the movie is fuck. Like, you know, fuck maybe, is not yeah. a pleasant word. Yeah, maybe, know? maybe not. Maybe I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Nobody that's, knows. The, nobody knows. It's all speculation. That's all stuff, yeah. But the, the strange thing about the film is is that Stanley had problems with his own daughter uh, during the making of this film and that she had some connections with Scientology. And there's a very famous French um, reviewer who was friends with Stanley Kubrick. His name is Michel Simon, uh, C-I-M-E-N-T. Michel is his first name. And he talks about Stanley's relationship with the Illuminati. And the name of the video clip is called Kubrick and the Illuminati. Yeah. There's um, a lot of links in a lot of his films, and he worked with a lot of people. Like, there's no doubt that he had connections with Illuminati. I think, uh, absolutely. So, um, but, that but the film is a whistleblower is this, project. Is this thing showing, you know, what happens in Scientology? Maybe this was like a revenge flick against Tom Cruise and his associates. I wouldn't say Scientology. I would say it's probably an older group. I mean, Scientology set up by L. Ron Hubbard, who no, was himself know. naval intelligence. Yes, I know. Wasn't but he? that's that's what I mean. Maybe it's like so. Maybe that then the the, the, the uh, allegorical part that Kubrick wanted yeah. to put across was that, that the like, naval officer is yeah. really something to do with Scientology. Maybe that that it got into her somehow. Do you know? Could she ever escape? Is there a is there a point where they need to you know leave Scientology? Kidman had to break up with Tom Cruise and leave and do all that stuff. You know, yeah. so it's. But I think Stanley's own daughter, from what I understand, was also involved in Scientology. And that when she came to Stanley's funeral and to her own sister's funeral, the other thing is that Stanley Kubrick's other daughter died about three or four years after Eyes Wide Shut of Cancer. And yeah. that um, this estranged daughter returned to England, but she came with bodyguards and then they, they all left together. Um, I, w I would imagine you'd be shitting yourself. Some... The Kubrick death, I think, is definitely something we would have to do on those conspiracy guys because even Kubrick himself and all his movies and all the symbology, like, ugh, the whole thing just smacks of what the fuck. Here on White Press Play, we might even do it because uh, later on in some of the episodes, I want to be able to do uh, like retrospectives on a whole director's career, go through all their movies, not in as detailed uh, you know, explanation and, and, and description as we do on these episodes, but more on uh, the, the the concurrent themes that run through all the movies or the skills, uh, uh, the techniques and stuff they use. Yeah. Like for this one, uh, uh, Kubrick used a, an old version of a Kodak film that was out of print. It wasn't even available anymore. Oh, for Eyes Wide Shut? Yeah, for oh. Eyes Wide Shut. It wasn't. He chose this uh, film stock and it was discontinued by Kodak. But Kodak had like loads of it left and, you know, you couldn't buy it anywhere. So they went, listen. I have as much as you need. You can just have it. Wow. Like we're, we're, we'd be glad to facilitate yeah. you. And it has that weird look. That's why yeah. it has that kind of that look. Peculiar of, original yeah. sort of look to it. Because um, he chose that film stock particularly. So it's these kind of things that uh, will go over like a director's career. We talk about like, you know, Christopher Nolan. Or we do like a, a, a Schum all the Joel Schumacher movies. And we could do all the 
the uh, John Hughes movies and all these kind of, uh, you know, stalwarts of cinema, that mm. Spielberg films and all this kind of stuff and take two or three hours and really go into the, the, the different functions and camera styles and, you know, like the J.J. Abrams light leaks and all of these things that but people But there is a do, lot of know. repeated camera movement and people being led down corridors yeah. is a similar... It, it comes again and again in Eyes Wide Shut. And like in one, The Shining and in... Uh, yeah. uh, full Metal Jacket and all these other yeah there's shots in, in Eyes Wide Shut that remind me of The Shining yeah. and The Shining also has a party in the gold room yeah. so there are similar themes that he's touching in about yeah. about these elite parties and you would see you would see the same stuff so we're going, we are going to do a, a Kubrick thing I don't know if it'll, if it'll be TCG or if it'll be White Press Play but we will do a, a directorial retrospective. You'll join us for that one. Obviously, sure. Right? Yeah. Cool. And I and I also um. You came. You came prepared for this one. I have to say, ladies and gentlemen, Sean came with I'd say at least like three hundred uh, screen grabs from the movie, and they're all, you know, every every frame a painting, right? Yeah. Every Amazing. every single one is it, it stands up on its own yeah. image. What's What's interesting? Just a little side note is that um. The author of the screenplay of Eyes Wide Shut came out with a book shortly after Stanley died, and the book was not a very flattering portrayal of Stanley Kubrick. And you feel from I've read the book. It's called Eyes Wide Open oh. by Frederick Raphael. We chuck it down. And it's um it's about the process of writing the screenplay of Eyes Wide Shut. And that how he was made rewrite it and rewrite it and rewrite it, rewrite it, kind of the way Stanley would treat the actors. But you, what you feel from reading the book is that he's bitter against Stanley Kubrick and also feels used by Stanley. A lot of people said that about him. And I was wondering, my own personal take on it is, was Frederick Raphael writing this non-flattering book after Kubrick dies a way of Frederick Raphael covering his own ass because he might have revealed things to Stanley that were put in the film that could have cost Frederick Raphael's life. Like that, that Raphael knew stuff about the elite and he put Maybe. it into the screenplay. Yeah, and then th- that's he, Stanley used him in a way. To get that information. Because then. he's so negative towards him. I mean, imagine somebody dies and instead of like, you know, the people eulogize dead people, especially someone like Stanley Kubrick, whereas this guy comes out with a book and it's a, it's like a, a slam. It's a slam. Yeah. It, it's, it's But similar to how, you know, when the Jimmy Savile, like we just released the Jimmy Savile episode on those conspiracy guys, similar mm-hmm. to that, like how people were treating the, the legacy of Jimmy Savile until there was too many people came forward with sexual allegations to deny it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you had to retcon his whole behavior. Uh, and people started to disassociate themselves from that behavior. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think, I don't think Kubrick died of natural causes. You know, I mean, he was part of a, a a bigger circle of influence. Yeah, maybe than, he made than a, just a film director. He, and he made knew an a lot agreement, of and I think yeah, that that it was. Look at, he kind of went to, to Raphael. Look at, say what you have to say to keep yourself clean. Like I'm already done. I'm good. Yeah, or I think it's genuine uh, hatred coming from possibly, Frederick Raphael. Possibly, it but did. a lot of people didn't like how Kubrick did his business, and, yeah. and you know, there's a, a documentary I'll, I'll try and put up on the, the website about. Uh, uh, Stanley Kubrick, A Life in Film, it's called. And yeah, there's a I've lot of those it. kind of things. A lot of people are just like, he treated me like a cunt. <laughs> no, yeah. But look, it gets the job done. And maybe, too. yeah, maybe that's the way you just have to, you have to behave like that to get it done in that way. 
and maybe that's why the films are the way they are like if he had been a real nice guy and didn't ask for what he wanted maybe he wouldn't have got films those performances you know what I mean so the thing we like to do over here on uh, White Press Play is the alternative casting and we go through this quite quick I don't know have you got an alternative cast list Sean you don't have one prepared maybe uh, no I didn't really think about it well, maybe let's spitball some stuff uh, like okay. if you were to have somebody who could play Bill Harford who's played by uh, uh, Tom Cruise who would you have who comes to mind that could fill those shoes those Cruise shoes uh, those little size so fives. contemporary or anybody throughout time anybody throughout time uh, uh, who could who could do it in the modern day or if it was made years ago that they I would was, be I heard a rumour maybe I'm making this up but that Woody Allen could have been the Bill character oh that would have been really bad wouldn't that have been different <laughs> so you're having a sex party over here so no, I don't Woody Allen work. and Mia Farrow I don't think it would <laughs> Jesus that is and Lily Sobieski gets to be his wife in so it. Who are, what are the power couples All right, Michael Douglas and Catherine Zeta-Jones oh that could have been tasty yeah Michael Douglas seems like the guy who could hold it yeah he has that he has that uh, I think I think he has like a uh, he probably is quite insider. a dark sex yeah I mean, dark sexual sexuality about him he uh, does have that like oh nick me arse kind of a I way of going know. on I don't know huh <laughs> I never thought eat that it, about Michael Douglas yeah I mean <laughs> No, do you ever think that? No, I'm not the mm. lick my arse thing. Um, <laughs> hit me back up, Mike. If that's not true, I'll, uh, I'll correct it. Absolutely. Um, I had for somebody contemporary to, if yeah. you were to do, redo it today, which okay. is nearly twenty years later. Come on, yeah. If we were to redo it today, how about Shia LaBeouf as as Bill? Okay. In his descent into madness, I think Shia LaBeouf plays really good mental characters, like in Disturbia. Like some of that stuff was really yeah, like uh, unhinged. And as Tom Cruise's character becomes more unhinged, I think he could have played it a bit crazier as it went down, you know. Maybe maybe his everyman kind of uh, yeah, response I wasn't, you, you know. But I think Shia LaBeouf, as he goes, descends into madness and goes well, to the Brad party. Brad and like, Angelina. Oh. Are you thinking couples now? I don't yeah. know. That's how Kubrick cast it. He yeah, thought I think, couples. I think Brad Pitt can do it as well from Fight Club. Uh, he has that kind of... Uh, and 12 Monkeys as well, that character he played in that was quite unhinged and was able mm-hmm. to kind of do that like uh, quiet quiet riot in the head like you're quietly going insane as the sunlight dims in the evening we're sitting here the studio is just getting spookily darker and darker our faces are lit by computers only and it's getting pretty Kubrick Uh, I also had Ashton Kutcher oh uh, who could play from from his performance in the butterfly effect Demi Moore is the uh... oh imagine there you go yeah Um, or how about for a man who goes unhinged, uh, John Cusack from mm-hmm. his performance in Room 1408. Don't know, yeah. I think I think John Cusack could have played that really well. What about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard? Uh, <laughs> they couldn't even handle getting caught <laughs> with some fucking with some dogs with on a plane, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't think they'd be able to handle this thing. No. Do you know what I'd love to see? Now this Tell is a weird us. one. I'd love to see yeah. a version of this movie. Okay. With Bill played by Larry David, and every time something weird or odd happens yeah. to him, he just boom, looks boom, at the guy, boom, just like he, he gets caught and is like, "Take off your clothes, Louis C.K." What me, <laughs> Louis C.K.? Yeah, uh, he, yeah, he's a bit, a bit, he'd be a bit too sad. Like yeah. his character in Louis, if it was in this, would just be so pathetic and yeah. sad. But maybe, maybe it would work. Who would you have play Alice? From contemporary good-looking blondes. Bear in mind, you're going to have to see a lot of bare arse. Mm. Somebody who could pretend to be a bit mental and then hold it all together. 
a good crier and someone then who wouldn't be tall enough to 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 totally overshadow tom cruise gosh um, you said angelina jolie already and you said but that's because they were in a couple in the couple who would you yeah. have from the other side how about Charlize theron yeah who has that kind of uh blonde bombshell but who also has crazy acting chops i can just imagine her playing that scene uh, uh you know when she's in her in her little uh, white top and knickers when she's going mad after smoking a joint in this movie i can imagine Charlize theron going mental she played very a very good mental character in um devil's advocate opposite keanu reeves so i think she can do and uh, uh she's she's played like you know patients suffering with mental health issues in other movies and stuff like that like crazy mm. unhinged motherfuckers you know uh how about uh natalie dormer from uh game of thrones yes i don't know i, yeah. I don't know that much about or i, I don't follow holly contemporary hollywood so yeah. much to be able who to would you think there's someone up some names someone that you know um what about um donald trump no, i don't know <laughs> <laughs> donald any, trump any and fi- melania any fi- oh, imagine <laughs> imagine uh i heard you guys were having a party <laughs> Donald, come over, come over here. They have they nice, were, uh, nice. They were so many, I couldn't. They have count. mini pizza bagel bites, the ones you really like. Oh my God, they've got bagel bites. Awesome. Hey, red cock guy, stop swinging around. The smell is, is really distracting. Imagine them at that party. Be, yeah, could be maybe for a CGI version. Yeah, we could we could overdub. We can comp yeah, in do Donald it. Trump. Absolutely. Uh, I I also had, and this is my serious pick. I okay. also had Scarlett Johansson. Okay, yeah. She could play that and not diminutize Tom Cruise. Play it really well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for Victor Ziegler, I don't know if you could pick anybody. Like, that that actor wasn't really well known. Uh, he was he was played by uh, Sidney Pollack. Yeah. You know, uh, it was supposed to be Harvey Keitel. Yeah, that's what I... I, I would have chose Harvey Keitel because that's... And then Harvey Keitel got sick of the long shooting schedule and quit. Bounced, yeah. So I wonder what I, w- I would love to see those fi- shots. I mean, yeah, do they have I'm sure the footage? I'm sure it's somewhere. Absolutely, it has to be. He'd be fucking class. But I'd just be interested to see the, his take on it, you know. And on the DVD of Eyes Wide Shut, there's no commentary. And I heard there was going to be a commentary on one of the releases, but there, there, as far as I know, there's no commentary track on the. Eyes I think Wide because Shut. of what happened afterwards, I don't think Tom Cruise wanted anything. Like Tom and Nicole didn't want anything to do with that movie. Yeah, then, really. Well, I mean, it broke up their marriage pretty much, right? It'd probably be one of the one of the most famous Tom Cruise films in the archive in yeah. years to come. Oh yeah, it would be one of the as an artistic movie. Yeah, I mean he's not getting us Oscars for Oblivion or anything like that. But like, or or, or the new Mummy movie, he's not getting yeah. the fucking. It'll be remembered, for that. I think, Absolutely. over his other work. It's this was peak Cruise. Like this is him at his peak. Like, do you know what I mean? Um, I had Paul Reiser from. Uh, Mad about you. Mad about you. Yeah. As who? As a Ziggler. A Ziggler. Yeah. So listen, Bill. Um, you know, I, we've been through some stuff together. He just go off on one. He th- like I think Ziggler was like a little bit too nice. I would love to have seen Harvey Keitel as that because he just he be he he needs to be a bit meaner. He was I think too nice. Yeah, to think Bill. so. Yeah, a little bit like he's threatening. Yeah, know? but not in a any kind of a. Yeah. You know, um, I think for for. For Mandy and Domino, like it could be, you could, you could have anybody. In there. They're the other two main characters. For me, you could have anybody in there. Um, but for Nick Nightingale, yeah, you know uh, Seth Rogen's skinny friend Jay Jay Baruchel. No, he. I think he, probably I don't know the face. Yeah, he's in a couple of different TV shows yeah. and movies. He's not like 
superstar status, but he he's been in a lot of movies. You would know him if you saw his face. Okay. Um, he, he I think he would play that really well, like this kind of simpering kind of like, hey, I'm not a doctor anymore, but I do some weird shit. Like, you know, you want to smoke a joint? It's a bit like Nick Nightingale. Yeah, style. Nick Nightingale style. Um, and then for uh for Millich, could you think of anybody better? I think that guy nails it. Nails it. He's I, my favorite dude. Yeah. He's my favorite in the whole film. Do you have the Eyes Wide Shut action figures? <laughs> Milic uh, comes it comes with a model like Lily Sobieski and a brand Knickers as well comes included. Yeah. It's fucking weird, man. Weird film. Uh, and it was a weird film. Yeah. Would you recommend people watch this? Absolutely. I do. Yeah. I, I think that to give it, be patient with it though. Don't, um, you know, think you're going to figure it out or it's going to be really obvious to you this is my eighth watching i think i, I yeah. watch it and you still morning. don't know right I still don't know like every time i watch it i get something new and i was watching it today specifically for the show and taking notes yeah. trying to make every scene count like trying to go like okay this and this and then trying to tie stuff together i know and still you wouldn't be able to, even if you went through a minute by minute like i see you have 300 screenshots on, yeah. your, on your thing there like every one of them is is a like a it could be a painting it could be you know, a, a posed photograph. I, mean, I think the film is not finished. I've also seen storyboards um, about a dream sequence that's not in the film that are, is in a Stanley Kubrick book where there's this really fantastical dream sequence, but it's very sexual dream. Yeah. And that's not there. So it would be interesting to know if the Warner Brothers guys did step in and take some things out that, could have been some people believe like you ever jay widener he's a he's really into stanley kubrick conspiracy theories he talks about the moon landing but he also thinks that there is a, a scene missing uh either it's when she her dream sequence something alice is something with alice being uh her dream it, it could maybe be with, yeah the visualization of alice's dream that she's yeah. laughing at when he comes into the room like there's loads of that stuff if you're if you haven't ever watched the movie this is all probably very confusing i know yeah but when you watch it for the first time just remember those things like keep an eye out for those things to be like oh shit oh fuck look at that like yeah i hope to do there's a, lots of stuff a shining like, like everyone's watched the shining yeah. it's probably not for this show but i'd love to do an episode of the shining with you similarly just pointing out all of those things, like amazing stuff like you know um for this one, I think we've we've, we've without yeah without <laughs> we got it. we've fucked the arse off of this film yeah. to be honest. But um, and, and the thing and is, still, there's still stuff we didn't. We could go touch on for on. another hour yeah. and a half, I think. But uh, you know, time is against us. And, and it's based on a, a Viennese novel uh, from uh, from the 1920s. Is that correct? By Arthur Schnitzner. <laughs> Did you know, no, <laughs> Trauma Traumaville. Yeah. I think is the name. Traumaville. I I I'll check it out and I make and an article for the website. Yeah, and it's supposedly like it's a dream state. Yeah. So the whole film is possibly a dream, and there's actually a, 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 a Austrian made-for-TV movie version of Traumaville that you can watch on YouTube from the 1960s or 70s, and it's just like Eyes Wide Shut. No way. Yeah, and you could Stanley Kubrick must have seen this version this when made for I could tv do better. <laughs> yeah but it's still pretty good and yeah. you can still see um you can see the influence of this so there's a there's a version of the film that's uh of the book set in the 20s they're all in carriages and this kind yeah. of thing but they have the mask party and it's the same pretty much similar story you know? cool yeah I, I put the link for that we might write a little uh write a little I think thing you watch for the it website. on youtube 
yeah i'll put the link up and we see um yeah so that's it for for uh for this time on white press play tell us sean if you had one reason why somebody should watch this if someone's flicking through a, a a netflix queue or flicking through a movie queue or a dvd collection and you're looking for a movie to watch and you see this one you think oh that's a bit that's a bit sexy hmm. Nicole well, it's a good thriller home. isn't it if i if you were to if you were to give like one reason why somebody's like oh let's watch this one oh i'm not watching that why 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 why, why should we watch that fill in the blank it's intriguing and uh, it it's Stanley Kubrick's last film. He's one of the great filmmakers of all time. So you get to see his final work. Yeah, it's yeah. mysterious, intriguing. It's a thriller. Yeah. It keeps you on your toes. And you watch it multiple times. I have. Yeah. If I was to give one reason why yeah. I'm like... Um, there's a lot of titillation, but it will make you think about your own sexuality and, and you know, your own limitations. Um, and if you can watch this movie without judgment, you might find something within yourself that, like, you know, uh, raise a worry or raise a question or raise something that goes like, hey, how do I feel about that? And if you're looking at any piece of art and it makes you start to question how you live your life, I think it's done its job, you know. Mm. Um, if you're looking for something relaxing, if you're looking for like a Sunday evening movie, it's probably not the, no. yeah. I, I mean, I like to watch like stuff that scratches my, my you know, my brain hole. You know, when you have a good dig around your arse, it's just like a real itchy arse and you have a good like unabashed just dig. This is the psychological version of that. The psychological version of just digging around in your itchy arse hole um, where it's a, it, it's a little bit painful, but like, you know, it gets, it satisfies the itch. And if you want to watch something weird and go down a weird vanilla sky type route, with Tom Cruise at the helm, uh, this is definitely something that you should watch. Yeah, it's a classic. Classic. And you can quote me on that itchy hole uh, metaphor as well. <laughs> um, so that's it for this time on White Press Play. Thanks very much uh, to Sean for joining us. Thanks a million, Sean. My pleasure. And you'll be back again and we'll talk about, uh, we'll talk about a movie again in the future sometime. Yeah. You come perfect. back for the Stanley Kubrick uh, Symposium. The Symposium. Surely. We might do it live even brilliant for the crack i love live symposiums um so yeah this is it uh if you want to get in contact with us like i said at the top of the show info at whitepressplay.com or we're on facebook instagram reddit uh, pinterest all the places that you find a place to be join the discord and join in on the chats do join in as well as we play games you can join in on the uh, playstation or on steam and uh, we also will be streaming on twitch.tv slash whitepressplay with some uh, mega drive and uh, nintendo games as well you can join in and give your two cents a bit of reminiscing and a bit of romanticizing of the old days when things were better and the internet didn't make kids want to fucking run away from home and join a sex cult uh so that's it if you want to look up some more stanley kubrick stuff i do recommend it if you've never watched any stanley kubrick movies please please do they are fucking amazing he's possibly one of the best filmmakers of all time right sean yeah yeah he's up there uh, he's up there yeah and i think people will be talking about stanley kubrick's films for years to come years to come for shizzle uh every every frame a painting that's what they say so that's it for this time on White Press Play thanks very much for listening uh, we'll see you next time I've been Gordon I've been Sean good night and goodbye <laughs>